Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the comic book movie podcast that is looking forward to covering Spider-Man Home and Away in 2021. I'm Joe <laughs> Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Sir Patrick and James Hunt. We will not discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news. Instead, we will skip straight through to our spoiler free thoughts to begin with and then spoiler filled discussion on the directorless 2019 movie <laughs> Spider Man <laughs> Far From Home. But before any. It's John Watts. John Watts directed it. That's what it says on the screen at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> before any of that, I'm going to ask Seven James to explain to me something I don't know about Uncle Ben. I feel like we should give him some props, given that he has been... <laughs> I was going to say, in, Uncle Who, sorry? <laughs> ...entirely replacing this. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but he, he his function is no longer needed in this version of the Spider-Man story. <laughs> Something you don't know about Uncle Ben. I mean, there's not a lot to him. <laughs> he comes back quite a lot for sort of meaningful scenes... Sort of maybe once every 10, 15 years, you get someone doing a scene where Peter gets to meet an alternate Uncle Ben or a swap timeline Uncle Ben or something, and they have a hug. Does he have any skeletons in his closet or anything? Was he ever like, you ever done like an alternate version of him where actually he's Spider Man or something? (laughs) There is. Is there a Spider Ben? uh, There is a. There's a What If comic where. Am I remembering this right? what, What if Peter died and. Uncle Ben became Spider-Man? I mean, there is a version of Spider-Man who is like, it's his Uncle Ben and a kid version of Spider-Man and they, they're like a crime-fighting duo. Uh, it turned up in... turned up in um, What was the sequel to Spider-Verse called in the comics? Spider-Geddon? Spider-Geddon, yeah. I, was gonna say, Spider-Geddon. I, know, I mean, I've not read Spider-Geddon, but I remember there being a Ben Spider-Man in Spider-Verse. Oh, One really? of the Spider-Men in Spider-Verse towards the end was Uncle Ben. I'm sure... I was I'm getting excited sure for a second there that, like... I'd, I'd come across a pitch that I could Unless it was, if, if, if it wasn't Spider-Verse, it might have been Clone Conspiracy. Because there were multiple Spider-Men in that, weren't there? One yeah. of the two, anyway. You know uh, the other year when they said that a Spider-Man character was being brought back from the dead? It was, what was it, Dead No More? Who did that end up being? I remember the, I remember the, the build-up to oh, it, it was, but not that the was, uh, it was that was Ben Riley, uh, because Ben Riley was the Jackal. Wait, is that uh-huh. yeah? Dead no more was clone because the the premise yeah, of clone yeah. conspiracy was that nobody had to be dead because via cloning they were bringing back people who were thought dead, and right. I think that they had a Gwen turn up as a result of that. Okay, um, and the whole thing was that they were he was going to bring back Uncle Ben, like like Ben Riley had a coffin that was like this is this is Ben's coffin and I can bring him back, and that was sort of what Ben and Peter fundamentally disagreed on uh, because Ben Riley had gone a bit deranged um, but also the fact that he was no longer dead because he was th- you know who Ben Riley is don't you Joe yeah, is, <laughs> is, is he the Scarlet Spider or is that the yes. other one yeah, no, yeah, 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 ben, yeah. ben Riley's the Scarlet Spider clone I get confused um, with who's the other one 
Is Kane. it Kane? Kane, yeah, yeah that, that's where I always get confused between. Yeah, well, they've but both been the Scarlet Spider at different points, and they've and Kane <laughs> has pretended to be both Ben Riley and Peter Parker at different points. So. And there are a lot of clones around besides yeah. that guy. <laughs> anyway, so I was going to say, I was reminded of that Dead No More tease because of the Spider-Man tease that we got in the last couple of weeks. Um which was which was what everyone everyone was speculating. Are they making a Spider-Man Four comic? Are they making Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Four as yeah. a comic? And the fantastic, <laughs> and the Fantastic Four, like is Spider-Man joining the Fantastic Four? Is something happening with them? I, I just want to say, any time that they release a countdown <laughs> to an announcement, that's because the be announcement shit. is not worth attention <laughs> <Yeah>. by itself. <laughs> and the announcement was, J.J. Abrams is writing a comic in small print with his son. Which means that his son has written a comic, right? And J.J. Abrams has yeah. said, yeah, I'll, I'll say that I'm writing that with you. Mm-hmm. But they've got Sarah Pacelli drawing it. Well, yeah, that's the only thing that's really of interest. is like, And I think they, you know, they hinge the announcement on J.J. Abrams because J.J. Abrams famous yeah. outside of comics. But like, I, I, I think I said this at the time, but announcing something with, oh, this is written by someone who's done films, that's a really early 2000s kind of announcement. That's not a 2019 kind of announcement. Whereas, oh, Sarah Pacelli, who co-created Miles Morales and has drawn some of the best Spider-Man comics of the last 10 years or so, is back drawing Spider-Man. That to me is a selling point more than anything. In terms, in terms of people who make films, and, and like if if I actually believed he was writing it, like <laughs> I, no, like JJ Abrams is one of the biggest names that you could announce. I think. Yeah, but it's still, as I say, it's 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 a very sort of. I think we're past the point where somebody coming from another medium into yeah, like comics yeah. is that big a deal, uh, even if it's someone like unless, unless It's not it a big deal to people inside comics, but I think it's the sort of, in fairness, it's the sort of thing that will make like mainstream news. That, and that might sell an extra 10 yeah, or 20, it might sell copies. like a few copies to people who are vaguely interested in J.J. Abrams yeah. more than comics. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I, speaking of the early 2000s, can I segue into telling you the thing I want to tell you that you don't know about Uncle Ben? Oh, cannot wait. Did you know that if you really, really want to, you can read a comic about Uncle Ben having sex with Aunt May when they were teenagers? <laughs> Have you ever read that? Yes. It's as bad as you would think. Okay. This was a series called Trouble from uh, 2003... Uh, written by Mark Miller and drawn by Terry Dodson. And it was about four characters whose surnames are never given, but their names are uh, May, Ben, Richie and Mary. So it is (laughs) Aunt May, Uncle Ben and Peter's parents uh, on a summer holiday. And uh, yes, it features them uh, in various uh, scenarios. Uh, But but then it turns out that... um, uh, Ben is uh, May gets pregnant, but Ben is sterile, so May is pregnant, having had an affair with Richie, and it is again heavily implied uh, that the child that is raised by Mary and Richie is actually Peter. Right. Uh, this That's is all non-canonical. I was going to say yeah. it is. It is out of canon. This. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so bad, and one of the worst things about it was the covers because it had photo covers because it was supposed to be like a kind of teen romance thing, and it has these ghastly. Yeah, photo like covers of teenage girls, girls in bikinis. Bikinis, yeah. It's not great. I would say most of the reason I've never read it is because I did not want to be associated with anything by buying those <laughs> covers. 
Yeah. You didn't want to end up on a list. Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind the <laughs> I've calibre... just Googled it. <laughs> I think now I've you're seen, on a list. I think I've seen these in, on Marvel Unlimited at some point and gone, ooh, that looks very weird. They're not on Unlimited, surely, are they? Wow. Okay, if I they're on Unlimited, go and read them just for the japes because it's not going to cost you anything. But it's like, given the calibre of the people involved, because, okay, whatever you want to say about Mark Miller, he is a successful and, uh, you know, well-respected and established writer. And Terry Dodson is a great artist. Um, and, and and Rachel Dodson, the Inca. But given that calibre of creative team, it is absolutely one of the worst things that Marvel have ever done. Um, it was supposed to be a kind say, of Archie-type circumstances, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. But yeah, it didn't quite land. Yeah. But that's right, also probably right. like the most <laughs> character developed that Ben has probably ever been in a comic. Yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, it reminds his, me, his, his purpose is to be dead. That is the important thing about Uncle Ben. Ultimate Uncle Ben the, um... has a cool ponytail. Oh, true. Actually, Ultimate Uncle Ben. Well, they they do a bit of work with Ultimate Uncle Ben to make him. He's yeah. he's cool, Uncle Ben, and you know he's really nice and sympathetic. And he's like you know, a kind they of try make, yeah to make you feel it when he dies rather than right. just being this old guy. But his function yeah. is still to die. Yes, yeah. exactly. It was Whereas... weird. Actually, there was speculation. They were like, "Oh, they're building up Uncle Ben, so they'll kill off Aunt May." But no, they weren't. They were building up Uncle, yeah. Uncle Ben, so you cared when they killed off Aunt May. Uh, yeah, Uncle yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. it worked. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, it reminds me of uh, that. That the talk of this trouble comment reminds me of. Uh, do you remember when Sony were <laughs> leaked that they were developing an Aunt May movie? <laughs> it's going to be young oh Aunt, young Aunt May out out doing spy stuff. I think maybe. Yeah, imagine how ridiculous it would be to have like sexy Aunt May. <laughs> well, I think more notably, it would have been a spin off from the least successful screen version of Aunt May. <laughs> um, because as much as I like Sally Field as an actress, no, no. Hey, should we talk about the movie? Yeah, let's. R- right. Okay. So. Spider-Man Far From Home, sequel to 2017's Homecoming, I think. They pump these out every two years because Sony says they must. Um, this is the end of phase three for Marvel. Um, and kind of, I would say, doing a bit of a bit of cleaning up after Endgame, a bit of resetting of the tone after Endgame. Um and, and and yeah, kind of kind of drawing things to a close without without ostensibly it, with it, because it's the end of phase three, it's not having to do huge amounts of setup for what's coming in phase four. Marvel haven't announced anything. That's not, I would say, by and large, not what this movie is here to do. This movie is here to be its own little self-contained adventure. It's just a little like panic cleanser, just to yes, exactly, just to yeah. put some distance between the world-ending epicness of Endgame mm-hmm. and whatever happens next. And um, and how did it work as a palate cleanser for you guys? It's not a, it's not a brilliant movie. But I still had a really good time. If there was like, if they're going to make a Spider-Man movie every two years, I would be completely happy to get one of this quality every two years. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we know what you thought then. <laughs> this movie's been really well received, um, or, or I would say fairly well received. I've seen lots of like three and a half, four star, four and a half star reviews. That that kind of range. That's higher than I'd have given it, hmm. but still, yeah. Um, Seb, there is some stuff in this movie, uh, you know, it's a movie that features Mysterio that I imagine must have been like crack to you. Um, how, how good was the crack? The stuff that I love about this, I really, really love. 
Um, you've you've mentioned one of them, and we'll go into detail. And there's other things I really, really uh, enjoyed about it as well. Um, like James, yeah, I, I I can't deny that I had a really good time throughout. Except for, there was maybe a point when it had been going for about kind of twenty minutes to half an hour, where after a very strong start. I think it flags a little bit because it's coasting on nothing other than jokes. But they're good jokes, so it's fine. And for a lot of the rest of its running time, it's either, when it's not doing Mysterio stuff, it's either coasting on jokes or it's coasting on uh, your affection for and investment in the characters and the whole kind of MCU world that it's set up. I'm, and I'm it, not sure you can say a movie is coasting on like great performances <laughs> by characters you love. All right, no. What I what I mean is like if you don't have that pre-existing investment, I'm not sure it stacks up as just good in its own right. I think that I think for chunks it probably flags at that. I don't really care because yeah, I did enjoy this pretty much all the way through. It made me laugh a lot. Uh, it's got it's got good set pieces, although I think in some ways some of the action stuff is quite generic and doesn't need to be there. Uh, but I really like the character stuff. I, I sound like I'm doing it down. I, I had a good time. It's it's really good fun. The characters are great. The performances pretty much across the board are great. Um, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. I would put it on about a level with Homecoming because I think it does some things better and some things not as well as Homecoming. Basically, I think it's a little worse than Homecoming, but. You know, I, I think it's very Ant Man and the Wasp anyway. to Ant Man. I, I think I put all four of those films on a similar level, and I think their sequels both stack up to the original about the same. As in, they're they're almost as good, but maybe not quite as good. Mm. I here is what I take away from what you you guys just said. You liked it, but it I, it it kind of ends up feeling a little bit lightweight. Is that fair? It is extremely oh, totally lightweight. lightweight. I've, I actually used that word to, to describe it in a conversation earlier today. Um, one, the thing I think is that the script is pretty weak. The plot is pretty weak. It it doesn't stop it being fun. It doesn't stop the character stuff from being fun. I don't think it's going to stack up quite as well when we get around to to you know doing rewatches and stuff. But as a cinematic experience, uh, it was great. Like I had a great time with it. Right. Okay. So I'm going to be grumpy. Um, <laughs> I apologize. It's always listeners. fun when it's you rather than James, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so listeners, it just like if you liked this movie, because I know how irritating it is when you listen to a podcast and like like most of the people like the movie you like the movie and there's just this one miserable dick in the corner going <laughs> yeah but what about and i and i have to be that guy so just hate me for the next hour and a half two hours that's fine um i like for me this is a movie that is so lightweight it is empty and this is for, like I, i've got this ranked 20 20th out of 23 ouch mcu oh, movies no. i, I no there is there is way. nothing that i could put below this other than iron man 2 thor the dark world and the incredible hulk i it just feel it for me it doesn't coast by on the quality of its characters and the quality of its jokes and the qual and, and the performances for me it it coasts by on tom holland and tom holland's likable peter parker alone but i didn't feel you, like it, I, <laughs> I didn't feel like i got anything out of tom holland's character 
in this movie or his performance that I haven't seen already. It felt like more of the same from him, which is fine. But that's that's kind of what happens when you were introduced four years ago and you've already been in four or five movies, right? That's it's kind of that's the territory. Like I I didn't for all of the other kids in the high school, the, the, all those, all the other high school kids have been reduced down to this is what their joke is. Um, I didn't think Ganky was very funny in this. I thought Betty was tiresome. I really liked the glimpses of Zendaya that we got in Homecoming. Uh, and I'm going to steal this from Dave Scarborough, uh, who I follow on Twitter, a friend of mine who um, tweeted this earlier today. Zendaya seems like between the two movies, she's been turned into April Ludgate from Parks and Recreation. And I found that tiring after a while. Like... We're, we're, well, yeah, we're going to disagree massively. On yeah, that. and I and I knew <laughs> <laughs> again, Seb. I am aware there are things in this movie that are like crack to you, and turning Zendaya into April Ludgate would be one of those. Like, to, like Fair. Mary Mary Jane, because, who is like what, like the comics character that every nerd fancies because she's the the girl that dates Spider Man. And she's supposed to be this incredible, gorgeous supermodel, and they've basically gone, yeah. What if that, but nerdy and like April? Um, <laughs> okay, I the think thing is, right. it's, it's perfect it's, in one it's respect. Not Mary but I just, like, it's not well. It's not a character to me. It's just a. It's a one-note joke. I, I no, because I think you're really, really uh, under-serving uh, or under whatever her performance, because I think. I think the way she plays teenage awkwardness and the mixture of someone putting up a front of uh, affected disinterest, uh, but who's actually anxious and nervous underneath, I think it's a brilliant performance. And I'm not just yeah, saying this because I, I, I like what they've done with the character. Like, I think it's I a think, really, uh, really I think great performance. A lot of- when people are saying like, oh, she's a bit inconsistent. It's like, no, no, no. What she's done is made some really interesting choices with some pretty pedestrian dialogue. Mm. Well, so also, that, yes, I think so she has I'm great not... chemistry with Tom Holland as oh, well. Oh, right, okay. Really so that's that was the thing. I'm not criticising the performance at all. I think Zendaya is very good at what she gets asked to do. I just think that, that April Ludgate bit of it feels really one no. And I see what they're going for, and I think it does come through. But for me, the chemistry with Tom Holland is completely absent i don't wow. think there's i don't think there's any <laughs> sense of a spark between them i, I just didn't feel it and I, I i didn't like like i've not seen a comedic character clang as consistently as hard as jb smooth does in this movie an actor who i think is funny in arrested development i kept waiting for like every time he spoke i was like and where's the punch where's the punchline but martin Starr was funny last time that character completely didn't land this time. Everyone felt like they'd been turned into caricatures. I didn't know why it was in Europe. I didn't know why like certain character decisions had been made. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and I think he gets one scene to be Jake Gyllenhaal, and then just descends into like a miasma of nothing for the second half of the movie. I don't know. I didn't like it, you guys. What you really think? I didn't like it, and and I, for me, like this is, I know lots of people liked it, but like the the lightweightness of it for me, I'm going at this. If this is what Marvel movies are, I like unless the stakes are enormous, I I, I need more than this. I, the thing is, right? I think, I think the problem here is with Sony, because 
I think everything wrong with right. this movie this is the same stuff that's wrong with Homecoming. And it's that sort of, like you say, it it feels lightweight and it doesn't feel like there's a sort of big thesis behind it or anything. But what I liked about Homecoming was all the school stuff. And I felt like the kids in that movie, I thought that like, I liked the... I liked the world that they put Peter in and I liked that vibe of high school. I, I, I got at the end of this movie and I go, why Why was this in Europe other than it's going to sell to other territories? I did like that they <laughs> finally stopped filming their movies in a parking lot in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, that this is a movie actually shot on location. I'll give it, I'll give it marks for that. But I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why this was a movie that wasn't taking place in New York. And there were so many things about this movie that didn't feel like a Spider-Man movie. And I got a great Spider-Man movie about six months ago. And when I compare these two, I can't really I can't really blame Sony, given that when they were left to their own devices, that's what they came up with. It's I, interesting, I may, actually, I maybe point you, the finger at I think, I think the fact that we had a great Spider-Man movie six months ago... I think give some license to make a shit one. <laughs> Sorry, it's not, not a shit it... one, a different one. <laughs> exactly. Like, not like not, not every Spider-Man one. movie has to be about the like the central sort of push pull of being Spider-Man. Like you mm. can make movies that where Spider-Man is in a different story. Like, I think that's, that's allowed. That's, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's like I can see that I would have more of an issue with where they're taking Peter Parker and what this version of Peter Parker is if it was the only Spider-Man we had. Given that we've had Spider-Verse, which is so fully and completely about the being of Spider-Man and all that that entails, um, I don't actually mind that what we've got here is a version of Peter which is not without precedent of him being the Tony Stark protégé um they have to you know it's not they haven't conjured this out of thin air they've taken an element that does come from the comics that admittedly is relatively short-lived but does come from the comics and they've basically gone well what if that peter parker was what peter parker's like and and that was the direction that they go in and i think kind of fair enough as i say i'm I'm not too annoyed by it because we've got and have had more we've had a purer peter parker in the form of the raimi films and we've had Mm. spider-verse which has taken peter parker kind of to a logical conclusion and then has looked at the character you know the characters that follow on from him and and explored those so i i I don't think i actually think that i think this is this has more of the classic elements of spider-man than homecoming did and i prefer homecoming but i think i prefer homecoming because of the execution but that's that uh, admittedly that wasn't a movie i was massively high on to begin with that sits pretty low in my rankings as well uh i, I like i like that uh, you know obviously tony which we, i think we predicted tony Stark becomes the uncle ben figure the the kind of the the loss and the weight around peter's shoulders and i think actually what while the power responsibility dichotomy was completely missing for i felt like it was completely missing to, for, for me anyway from homecoming it's it is here in this movie because of the the central plot device that they put in Peter's hands and say here this is a MacGuffin if you like <laughs> lit- literally with this MacGuffin is great power do you accept that responsibility <laughs> and ask Peter to make a decision yes or no so that's there I just I, I just so often find myself recoiling at the way that they were doing it and the the mechanics that that stuff was going through. Um, and it just it all left me 
super cold. Like, it's really hard to argue against that because, like, I can totally understand that reaction. And, like, this is probably how how people feel about me when I say, like, Iron Man and the Wasp was pretty bad, wasn't it? (laughs) Or, like, Guardians 2 was pretty bad, wasn't it? Because, like, I just... I, I see what it's trying to do and it just doesn't connect with me. Far From Home yeah. is the opposite. Like, I see the ways in which it is flawed, but it just does connect with me. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I and I get it because, yeah, I, I do feel like that about Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, like, I I enjoy, I think, the side characters in that movie. More, more. I saw Robbie Collins tweeted after the movie that he was like, um, for him, whilst this was, that he enjoyed this more than Homecoming, he still felt like Spider-Man was the least successful corner of the MCU and I would I would agree with that because there's not I don't find any of the side characters around Peter particularly interesting aside from Zendaya and I think that comes entirely from her performance I don't I don't find any of the other kids interesting I don't think they give I don't think they've given Aunt May a chance to be interesting yet. It's no. just, hey, Marissa Tomei, can you stand over there and get leched over by this guy in this movie? Yeah, that's not great. I think every male character who has ever talked about Aunt May in the MCU has exclusively referred to how hot she is. And I get you, yeah, Marissa Tomei is very attractive, but at a certain point, can we can we call it on that? <laughs> yeah, can we maybe give her something to do, like anything to do? Yeah anything <laughs> she packed his suit i guess <laughs> anyway i'm really sorry and i promise that i um will will try and sit back and let you guys speak is there anything else that you want to say uh before we get it before we get into the spoiler section i'm, I'm gonna say one thing that i think can go in the uh in the non-spoiler section because it doesn't really spoiler things i reckon that this making this film when they did is the last possible point at which they could possibly have had Jacob Batalon play that character. Because already his voice has, has broken so much and he looks and sounds so much older that if they were making this film six months later, they would have had to recast him. So uh, quite a lot of them are quite old, right? Was it uh, the girl who played Liz in the first movie was like 30? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she. True. Yeah, I think so. I don't think she's that old, but... Um... but close to... I mean, I think most of this cast are in like their early twenties, aren't they? Um, yeah, yeah. Like Tom Holland. Tom Holland's actually older than Jacob Batalon. It's just Tom Holland sounds and looks a lot younger because Jacob Batalon has, like, as I say, at, like at the age of twenty-two, um, he's hit puberty. So, um, but it was yeah. just it was really striking when Ned first turns up and starts talking. Look, I called him Ned, not Ganky. Um, when he turns up and starts talking, and has a completely different voice from what he had in the first film. <laughs> Laura Can Harrier I... is twenty nine now, so she would have been oh, right. okay. twenty six, so twenty seven. Like, yeah, 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 and she well, she was yeah. playing like eighteen, wasn't she? True, she was meant to be older than Peter, but even so, it was a yeah, bit. I think we talked about it at the time, time that she was glaringly yeah. conspicuous in that film. I I just want to contextualize all the praise that I'm going to heap on this film by saying that I just checked my rankings. I put it seventeenth out of twenty three. <laughs> but it's the it's the Marvel thing of like yeah being, even a being bad below Marvel film. fifteen doesn't mean bad. Being below twenty is bad. 
<laughs> because it's those it's those three bad ones basically. Yeah, like yeah if, I get if, into if you fall below look. Thor the Dark, yeah, if you if you fall below Iron Man two or Thor the Dark World, you're a bad. I mean, I think we established when we did Iron Man two that Iron Man two is actually a pretty decent film. It's just very very middling and has got lower and lower in the Marvel rankings. I think if you're below Thor the Dark World, you are a bad film. <laughs> Incredible yeah. Hulk. I mean, I'm still, I, I like, my review is two and a half stars when I put it into Letterboxd. So I'm not saying this movie's yeah, see, terrible. Mine's, mine's three. It, 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 so it frustrated me how... It frustrated me how this felt that this was good enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this to be what Marvel puts out and, go, and goes... Hey, you like this? And, I, and I'll be honest, like, in the months since, Captain Marvel has slipped closer and closer to that for me as well. I think I was a lot higher on that movie coming out than I am now, a couple of months removed from it. Mm. Um, and I think I think Endgame aside, this has been a, a weak year, but... That's a for Marvel. It's, but, it's but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big aside, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't but like, I think, I think they made... One good, one okay, and one not very good movie this year. And for Marvel, those are slipping standards. Should we get to the? Should we get to the spoilers? Yeah, let's listen yeah. to all the stuff that let's, is not in the film. Let's listen to the yeah. Let's listen to the trailer with all of the stuff that James has told us has been removed, and then we'll get back and discuss it. <laughs> I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. so good. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? <laughs> what just happened? Planning a trip? Mm-hmm. Going to Europe. It's a school trip. Did you get your passport? Peter Parker here to pick up a passport, please. Mini toothpaste? Mm-hmm. Pack your suit. I just want to go on my trip with my friends. Europe doesn't really need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You look really pretty. And therefore, I have value. No, no, that's not I'm right. I'm messing with you. <laughs> you look pretty, too. I just want to spend some time with MJ. I think she really likes me, too. That reminds me when I first fell in love. I had just finished my film call. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he gonna be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! You got gifts, Parker. But we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. 
friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this. like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider-Man. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sup, dickwad? So, hey, do you remember when the trailers for this came out and it first showed that it had Nick Fury in it and some people were like, what if that's not actually Nick Fury? And we were like, <laughs> nah, of course it's really Nick Fury. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, there were people because I think people weren't sure what Fury status was going to be after Endgame. So there were right. people going, "What if that's not Fury?" And I, I mean, definitely I, I spent the whole film like, thinking, "Like, is that Nick Fury there? Is it?" And then they well, really yeah, confused so it towards the end. I leaned over to the person I was uh, sat with, and about I, I would say about fifteen minutes before the the Mysterio reveal, which <gasps> I can't, I can't believe it. Um, 15 minutes before the Mysterio reveal, I went, do you think, are all of these people not real? Because the Kobe Smulders performance is so It was off. the performances, wasn't it? The performances yeah. were off. I think they were doing it deliberately. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, they, they were doing it deliberately the entire way through the movie. Yeah. But, like, it kind of, it raised my eyebrow because I was like, well, Nick Fury seems off. Maria Hill seems off. Is that is is Mysterio behind that? And then you find out that because he's like straight away says, "Oh, I'm gonna have to kill Fury." So you're like, mm. "Oh, okay, I guess I was wrong. The performances are just weird." And then it and then it keeps on like that. And then at yeah. one point, there is a version of Maria Hill that is a bath construction. And yeah, there's a version of Nick Fury which is yeah. Yeah. Mysterio, and they don't really make it very clear, like. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. When when you think that when he's been attacked, I thought that was Fury, but then I suppose you're supposed to right up to the point. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is that Fury just wasn't there ever at all. Yeah, they don't make it clear that Fury was never in Berlin. Like I had to exactly. go and yeah. be like, wait, hang on, did he just go straight it's, to London? There's a, like, definitely a clunky. Yeah, it's a clunky bit of storytelling when it cuts to him in London. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But with, with with Sam Jackson's performance, I think the thing that struck me was I might have just thought. Oh well, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He's getting on a bit now. He's been doing this for a while. He sounds a little bit tired, you know. If it weren't for the fact that we'd had Captain Marvel earlier this year, in <laughs> yeah. which he was so much sharper, and obviously, you know, he, he had the CGI, but in his performance and in his voice, he was effectively playing a younger version of himself. He's so to go to this, in that movie, exactly. He's, so that's he's so good in that, and at, like to the point that, I mean, if I had an Oscar vote, I would be saying. I mean, Sam Jackson's performances across Glass and um, and Captain Marvel are pretty fantastic. I'd nominate him for one of them, genuinely. Like, I think mm. he's, I, particularly in Captain Marvel, I think he's that good. And for me, that's why it's so frustrating to see mm. that version of this character here. Bear in mind that modern day Nick Fury, we haven't seen in a full movie since Winter Soldier. Because it's, it's the end of Winter Soldier, isn't it? Yeah. Winter Soldier is the last time that we've seen, I would say, a a proper Sam Jackson performance as Nick Fury because the Captain perfor- the Captain Marvel performance is an earlier, different version of that character. And other than that, we've had one scene cameos here and there. Mm-hmm. 
And I just thought it was such a strange choice. And I was like, well, maybe, okay, maybe it's maybe it's Beck and we'll, we'll find out halfway through and the real Fury will turn up. But no, we get the whole way through the movie and then we get to... Is it literally... Is it literally the second post credit scene? Second post credit scene. Yeah, it's, it's it's the post rather than the mid. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 post post credit scene, and I got to the end of that and I went, oh, so I was right. And then I went, hmm, <laughs> what why? the hell does that mean? Yeah. Well, what, no, but no, not not what does that mean? Because like I can sit back and do that later and go right in the wider context of the MCU. Why is Nick Fury in space? Because Nick Fury could be in space and not be in this movie. But they wanted Sam Jackson in this movie, and they also wanted Nick Fury to be in space. Mm-hmm. What in what way does it benefit this movie? Nick Fury being a total and utter asshole because he's not pleasant, and I guess it makes Peter feel more isolated. But as an like, it just it kind of knocked me off. It made like I f- I feel like I watched a lot of this movie with a raised eyebrow, and that was one of the reasons because I was like, why is that so wrong? And same with same with Kobe Smulders and Maria Hill, just for a complete, you know, is it, it they were different versions of the characters, and I, I don't know about you, I wouldn't say more enjoyable versions of the characters on on either count. No, mm. I mean it was cool when she used the rocket launcher, but I'm not sure that justifies it. <laughs> I mean, do, do can you think of a reason like why why is it why is it Talos? I mean, the thing that I can only assume they were going for is that like. Spider-Man shouldn't be, like, a kid soldier for, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever has replaced S.H.I.E.L.D. But Fury still sent him there to deliver the glasses. Fury sent Talos there as him to deliver the glasses. Yeah. Because he has... Because Talos is phoning in the report to Fury at the end. <laughs> it's not the only thing he's phoning in. <laughs> uh, what, well, Mendelssohn turns Um... Let's talk about that post-credit scene now, rather than right at the end. Is that the introduction of Sword? Mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah, but Sword is Sword not Space Shield? Yeah, but it's traditionally not staffed entirely by aliens because it's supposed to be protecting Earth. Well, it's not. It's Nick, it's Nick Fury and the scrolls that he made mates with twenty-five years ago. Yeah, but there he, were no humans there. It looked more to me like he was on a scroll ship somewhere. I, th- I also I think you're forgetting that um, they can't use sword because it's an X Men. Ah. <laughs> you know the thing about that post credits for me is that when they changed in when Maria Hill changed into a Skrull, I was like, oh shit, are they doing Secret Invasion? And then Nick Fury turned into a Skrull. I was like, that's odd. And then they show Nick Fury on a ship full of Skrulls, and you're like, well, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with this then, because <laughs> could go any number of ways. I don't think it's- they're doing Secret Invasion. I think they might do Kree Skrull War. Well, there's the line earlier in the movie as well, mm. isn't there? From Fury, which we later find out is Talos saying, "It's some really, uh, some really odd reference to oh, and we know there's Kree splinter cells, yeah, sleep mm-hmm. no, sorry, sleep sleeper cells." And that was another moment that I kind of nudged my friend and went, "Hmm, that's <laughs> you don't just throw that in there, yeah." Um, but so that and that, in fairness, that feels like the only kind of wider MCU like laying out a couple of chess pieces yeah and it sort of it makes sense because you've got captain marvel who they've been building up a big deal captain marvel is kree so it's going to be a big deal if they do kree school war like it, it makes sense i i do think yeah there's the, the storytelling purpose for doing that is at this point 
because of everything that's gone on and because of the uncertain status of almost everybody, while this film takes place in the aftermath of Endgame and references Endgame and references lots of characters, it also is very much having to sit out there on its own as the only thing that's there at the moment, like that that's present and current at the moment. And obviously, you know, now we know post-Endgame which characters are alive and around. There's still a lot of uncertain status quos. The only other part of the MCU now that we know they're going to be pursuing in more depth in future, because they kind of have to, given that they didn't in Endgame, is the Captain Marvel side of things. And this just creates that that link between the two bits of the MCU that we know are you know we know we're going to be getting more Doctor Strange we know we're going to be getting more Black Panther but really these are the only two that are actually feel like they're kind of actually spinning wheels at the mm. at this exact moment and I think it's just reminding you hey there is still going to be more stuff going on after this what chance that that is anything to do with Eternals I I get the impression slim but I mean we've well, it... we've spoken before about how Eternals are sort of related to the Kree so it sort of makes yeah. sense so can we could, it, can it we could... do we have to talk about the Eternals instead of Mysterio because we've got a Mysterio <laughs> movie guys and we haven't talked about Mysterio <laughs> well, yet we still haven't I'm, talked about I'm the stuff that, <laughs> the stuff we'll in the trailer that is not in the film <laughs> right okay there's a whole James... major set piece I've I mean I've rewatched that trailer I don't think it's quite as bad as you think especially uh, comparing back to Spider-Man Homecoming, which had so much Iron Man stuff in the trailer <laughs> that was clearly never even intended to be in the film. Yeah, I at least but... got the impression from this trailer that this was a cut scene from the movie that might show up on the DVD. Well, I get the impression from the trailer is that they're like they've got this whole action sequence where he's in the Iron Spider costume. They also they show him addressing the charity crowd in the Iron Spider cost uh, in his normal costume, not the Iron Spider costume. Does he ever wear the normal costume? Uh good question. I don't think he does. So what happens to that one? Does he just lose it? It's just in a suitcase, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah because so. he's separated from his suitcase, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, of course. There you yeah. go. Um so you know he never wears that one and also mm. there's that fun passport sequence that isn't in there like I just I sort of get the impression like you can see the audience feedback on on the changes that they made which is like them going oh we wish he got on holiday quicker because the build up is you know slow mm. and also we want to see more of the Iron Spider suit but we need to get him on holiday quicker so let's put him in that during this this charity sequence yeah I'd be happy if we never see the Iron Spider costume again I feel like it feels a bit overpowered for a movie like this, doesn't it? And I did, I, I did sort of really like that shot of it in its like special container, just sort of in the corner of his bedroom, <laughs> and you've got this like super high tech, like fridge thing. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I did like in in the same way that I loved it at the end of Spider Verse when Miles goes off and goes, "No, do you know what? I'm creating this identity for myself." I did really like the scene on the plane where he kind of goes. No, do you know what? There is there is a reason why Tony chose me. There is a reason why why Tony trusted me. And the pep talk from Happy, I think, is really nice as well. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that he then goes off and goes, "Yeah, do you know what? I'm gonna. I am smart." And Tony saw that. That's one of the first things he spotted in me. I am smart. I'm good with tech. I'm kind of like I I think around problems the same way that Tony did. I am gonna figure out the way to get around Mysterio's tech. And and in doing that, I'm going to kind of create my own costume and, my, and, and be my version of Tony Stark rather than being mm-hmm. 
the next Iron Man, which I think that's I think that's nice. You know, like it it allows Peter to be his own hero while still having a nod to the legacy of Tony. I do sort of feel like that scene was missing him turning off ACDC and putting the Ramones on there. I, mm. I thought it was going to be the Ramones when he put it on, and I was yeah. disappointed when it was ACDC. Yeah, me, I did I like their eventual use. The the choice of Ramones track that they went with uh, towards the end I liked, but yeah. I just, yeah, the, the, my, my only concert, yeah, I didn't like the, the ACDC, and I didn't like the suit. <laughs> I still don't like that suit. Like, no, oh, Peter, if you want to be your own version of Spider-Man, that's fine, but maybe don't, a black suit? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't like that suit, but also the comics nerd in me thinks back to Amazing Fantasy 15 or whatever, when, like, originally the blue was highlighting, because that's how they did highlighting on black costumes, and, like... Oh, wow. Way way back when it was supposed to be black and red. So that's but that is supposed to be a thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I think they like to do that, don't they? I, I spotted a couple more license plates in this movie that were like ASM. <laughs> there are a whole bunch of them. Like you would <laughs> yeah. not believe. When I'm sure I was sitting that they with... referenced the first Mysterio appearance. Yeah, I was sitting with Mike, who has been on the podcast many times, um, and Mike he Lieber. was like scribbling them down to to note all the references. And yeah, there were tons of them. Yeah. Hey, should we go back to the start of the movie just because I'd like it to be a little bit longer until Seb gets to talk about Mysterio? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to tease this out. Um, the first five mo- minutes of this movie are fantastic, right? They're the way so that funny. the way that the movie like... deals with yeah what. So, right, the snap was the snap, and then the five years following were the blip, and people then blipped back into existence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is delivered by Betty, and I don't know, what's, what's the other guy called? Is, does, he, does he have a name? Is he a canonical character? Uh, he was in the first one, though. He's fun. Yeah, I think he had a name, but I don't think it was anything I recognised. Nothing springing to mind, I'll say that much. But answering yeah. a lot of questions and answering a lot of like having fun with the like. Well, they do it in they do it in the most fun way they could have, which is that like all the stuff where we were going like, oh, that's pretty stupid, isn't it? What people just reappeared in the middle of nowhere. They were like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and it's funny. And like by so, playing it all as jokes, you just you laugh and then forget about it because you're like, oh, I'll let's be explain now. And that's the that's the way I want them to treat this because do you know what I really really don't care about what happened with the crops when they were gone and what yeah. happened with this like it's it, the funnier side of it is oh my wife pretended she got blipped yeah that's, and that was just an do that and joke. move on that was such yeah. a good joke <laughs> <laughs> my wife pre- pre- pretended she got blipped the basketball players have crashed yeah. into the marching band that's the best way to approach it and mm. like I get that like this is a movie made for a nerd audience. And nerds are going to obsess over stuff like that. But it is a wizard did it, isn't it? And in this case, it's literally like a space wizard did it. Yeah. For me, it was the, it was the scene of them reappearing in the basketball court. Like, just saying, like, yeah, it's stupid, but it's funny. Like, it doesn't matter. And then the fact that... Let's just get it back as close to reality as we can. And, like, I was... I remember being worried after Endgame, like, they're, what, they're going to be going around Europe and seeing what Europe's... What's happened to Europe in the last five years? And actually, by the time they're there, it doesn't really matter. It's just it's back like to normal by then. Some weird stuff has happened. When it is it when it is to our benefit, we are going to refer to that weird stuff because it might add interesting wrinkles to certain characters, right? Mm-hmm. But otherwise, don't worry about it. I mean, that maybe that is an argument for why so much of this film is set in Europe, which is that if it was set in America, people would be thinking like, oh, you, 
it's in New York, but New York was fucked up by the end of Endgame. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Whereas if it's across the ocean, you know, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, it's Europe, whatever. Europe's <laughs> Europe. It's been that way for hundreds of years. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit there. Yeah, I'm not but... convinced by that argument either. No. <laughs> I, I will say, I also just think that, that having, like, two kids deliver that news in a, like, one kid who is just, like, I'm accepting that this is what happened and I'm just saying it back to you. <laughs> Um, and the other kid who's like visibly like a little bit like that kid has started smoking weed since he got blipped back into existence, right? <laughs> Just to deal with the head trip of it all. <laughs> and the, and the, what, what was it? It was Whitney Houston, wasn't it? Playing over the opening credits. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed we didn't get Giacchino's Spider-Man theme again there, but I guess Whitney will do. And, um, and of course now we know that Captain America's dead, so... Uh, which we didn't uh, know. We didn't know that before this film. Uh, now he's dead. Captain America is gone. That's all we know. <laughs> yeah, who was it? Was, it was I think was it Digital Spy? Uh, where I saw an article saying that yes, home, um, Far From Home confirms that Captain America died off screen. No, it's just that nobody knows that he is has been living as an old man. Because why? Why would the students of Midtown High know that Captain America? went back in time and lived as an old man. It hasn't confirmed that he's died in between the films. It's Try. just... Com- he might have done, but this does not confirm that. Sure, I didn't realise until... Or, or it, my head hadn't got its head around, which... My head hadn't got its head around. I hadn't got my head around it until someone mentioned it on another podcast recently. And I'm sure lots of our listeners will have realised this already. But if Cap and Peggy canonically like if depending on whether you want to believe the Russo's or Mark because I'm at Feely but if it's the version where Cap where Peggy's kids Cap is always the dad then Cap is also Sharon Carter's uncle and that's not cool <laughs> at all <laughs> you really don't want to get us on to talking about Mysterio <laughs> and Sharon would presumably have grown up knowing her uncle <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been so weird. <laughs> Just reconfirming that Sharon Carter is the second worst character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe, maybe Steve just like pretended to be out whenever she came over because he was just like, I can't. This is too weird even for me. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> um, what else do we want to talk about? They go to a charity event. That's really interesting. Should we talk about the charity event for twenty minutes? Can we talk about Aunt May? Yeah, let's talk about Aunt May. Yeah. I don't know what more to say other than please let her do anything. Yeah. The, the John Favreau thing, I'm not sure. I don't like Peter having a surrogate father figure in his life who literally has a jet who he can... Do you, do you buy into the theory that at the point that Civil War happened, that's the, that's the movie where Gwyneth Paltrow notice, notably does not appear, right? Yes. So, yeah, like, as, as in, as in, like, suddenly at the start of the movie, Tony's like, "Oh yeah, we're on a break. It's not, it's not working out." Yeah. And then the, the the theory is that Sony turned up with a load of money and went, "Oh no, if we want Iron Man, we want all of them. We want Happy and we want Pepper. And yeah, we'll pay Gwyneth Paltrow whatever she wants. It doesn't matter. Their contracts expired." Mm-hmm. So, do you buy into the theory that Aunt May was being set up as the new interest, new love interest for Tony Stark? And because Gwyneth Paltrow came back, they didn't need to do that anymore. And uh, so they've, and, they, and now they've gone. Well, well, I'm happy, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really see Aunt May and Tony Stark because, mm. like, it doesn't serve. I mean, he flirted with her. Yeah, but Tony Stark, he's Tony Stark. He flirts with everyone. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's, it was only ever going to be a, um, yeah. It's a, it's a fun flirtation thing, but yeah, I think no, like I think they've done it here because they just needed a reason for John Favreau to be around. Mm. And like, and, need, and that is more like we need a surrogate Tony Stark to be around. Well, if they want him in the movie, like. I actually think this movie would be more I like as as much as I've just said I like that scene with Happy at the end. I think the movie would be more effective without him because not having any visible alternative as a father figure to me would be would be reason to kind of go like oh Quentin Beck yeah, th- yeah, this guy absolutely. who is who is basically doing a Tony Stark impression I'm going to I'm going to go to him. But still having Happy there feels like a bit of a crutch. Yeah, and then if, if Happy's not there, who does he go to when, you know, he's all screwed up? Nick Fury. That gives a good reason yeah. for Nick Fury to be in the movie as well. And and Fav- I, I like I like John Favreau. I li- I've liked Happy in previous movies. I don't feel like he needs to be in the in, in this anymore. I mean he's got he's a it's a good performance and I like the character. He's fine, yeah. It just it doesn't feel like you know, there's not really much of a pre existing relationship between him and Peter. Like the only thing was in the they first were antagonistic. Film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Were and then right. in this one suddenly they're like best buds. Yeah. Yeah, I dunno, it's I go with it because it's fun, but also if I think about it, it's bad. And that's a lot of this movie. <laughs> Seb, how how annoyed are you gonna be if we talk about something different before Mysterio? quite <laughs> right but i i do really want to dig into edith so <laughs> i'm not kidding um even in death i'm the hero spells ei diff but i will let no I he says even pass. dead i'm the hero oh does yeah. he yeah. yeah does he yeah. yeah i thought you said even in death okay no. right well i'll let it, i'll let them off then um edith i fucking hated edith you guys it's, with a with a with a burning fiery passion, hated Edith. It, I thought it did this movie a disservice and did Tony Stark, who is a bit of a dick, a disservice as well. It is weirdly notable that they just completely cut Karen from all subsequent Spider-Man appearances because that was a bad idea, and Edith is also a bad idea. Because if oh, Spider-Man's yeah. going to have an army of drones living in a satellite to control, that's not really Spider-Man, is it? And and. That and that also feels like that feels like the first Iron Man version of Tony Stark, the guy who's got this army of drones and a surveillance system that literally just by putting the glasses yeah, on and looking you just at, look someone, at someone's phone. Like, remember in the phone. remember in the Dark Knight when Batman yes, yeah, that's has exactly surveillance what around of, yeah. the entire thing and he blows it up because he's a hero and says I'm not going to do that anymore and we're all like that was a bit fascisty though. Yeah, it's, this is in a lot spite, of fascist-y. In spite in spite of that, everyone looked at the Dark Knight and went, "Is the Dark Knight a right wing movie?" Right, the, the, that was a serious debate. Yeah, mm-hmm. is Christopher Nolan a right wing filmmaker? That that surveillance system is like <laughs> it's a fraction of the like power of this horrifying. one. Horrifying. It's it, no, Edith is fucking horrifying uh-huh. as a, as a concept, and it made me like go, I. I, I don't know if I buy that from Tony Stark. Not now. Not in not in 2023. Not Tony Stark who went off and settled down with Pepper and had kids. The thing is, like, there. But do you buy it from Nick Fury using Tony Stark technology? Mm, I mean, it was all Stark built, right? 
Yeah, it's still it's Stark built, but it could be something that Stark built. Uh, no, it's really Stark explicitly use Stark, any longer, but Fury's using. No, because it's 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 specifically positioned as something that Stark did not tr- like. Happy says this did not trust to give to Fury. Mm-hmm. Ah, no, 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 because uh, at the end of the film, Talos says to Fury, "We gave him the glasses, like you said. The glasses come yeah, from but, Fury. Yeah, they come from Fury because Stark has said, give these to the kid.'" But yeah, the but they've come. They, that's the thing. They yeah, come Peter's, to him from Tony via Fury. Yeah, but Fury can't use them because they're they're set up for Peter to use and no one else. This yeah. is this is something that Stark has created and has said and has said Fury, give these to Peter if I die. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's but I still I read think it. that the that the having the glasses doesn't mean I want you to use this orbiting satellite full of drones. No, but Tony Tony did create them, and he created the glasses that, when turned on, he could look at anyone. Yeah, I think what he meant is any level of surveillance. The the point of the glasses is I don't want Nick Fury to have access to this army of drones. And like he, you know, we've talked about Tony's arc and stuff. This feels like the the version of Tony, which is the suit of armor around the world. Tony, like he's yes. created a, a, basically an automated Iron Man system that can do everything but- that Iron Man can anywhere on the planet and he's given it to the one person he trusts to use it selflessly but it feels like that combined with the like the facts that peter can just can just order a strike on someone in an instant yeah i mean the the thing for me that the reason we're not having a serious like is this how fascisty is this conversation is because they only really use it as as laughs like I, there's I, there's I, not I really any point it. in the film where you believe like Peter might become a full time, you know, superhero governing the entire world from the shadows. No, but what it did make me think was in retrospect, it made me think in this movie that was kind of eulogizing Tony Stark for <laughs> half of its runtime, made me think, fuck that guy if this is what he did. That's yeah. not the version it, that I thought it feels like I, the thing... I thought I was following on screen. That's the version that I thought he had transcended beyond a a number of different points yeah the thing missing from this film if anything is peter going this is too much responsibility and i don't want it or this is too much responsibility for anyone to have like edith shoot yourself into the fucking sun yes that was that's the ending that i want i want peter to go like like drones disassemble fuck off but like self-destruct i'm sure it's the same as the karen stuff like we'll we'll just never see this again it's not going to be a thing in the next spider-man movie or the next spider-man appearance and a a drone cinematic (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen a movie that has any kind of major plot point around drones where i've gone great Mm." (laughs) i mean i feel that way about made a really You've made a re- you've made a really salient cutting point about uh, the politics of a decade ago. It feels like all of that stuff felt Bush era to me. I mean, the reason the drones are there, right, is for Mysterio to do his holograms, isn't it? And they've worked backwards from that. Sorry, who? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be helpful. <laughs> Well, we haven't got to. Uh, no, okay, right. <laughs> let's get let's, let's talk about the actual plot of the movie. So. These elementals attack. I think one attacks in the pre-credits, right? One has already attacked and been thwarted, theoretically, in the pre-credits. In Mexico. Then another, yeah. then another one attacks on screen and Mysterio turns up. So that's two down. Third one turns up in Venice. 
the water one, and then it and then it kind of builds to another one's going to attack. Mysterio and Peter are going to have to team up to defeat that one. Um, and then when the if and when they defeat that, the the day has been saved, and Mysterio can go back to wherever he was before or whatever. Um, what did you think of pre? reveal Mysterio was there a split second in this movie where you thought oh are they going to twist this and he's actually just he is just Quentin Beck he's a new superhero in the in the MCU no of course not (laughs) but it doesn't mean that the good version isn't well played no no no, it doesn't no no it's weird I, I, I think it makes you like him enough you know, I, I, obviously, I never bought that he wouldn't be the baddie, but um, I still think Gyllenhaal's performance and what they do with the character and his relationship with Peter uh, does mean that you, you know, you don't sit there going, "Oh, this guy's nasty and sinister and horrible. He's the baddie." Is the thing. I mean, you are just waiting for the twist, right? Though, like, mm. at no point do you ever trust him to not turn into a villain. Or to not already be a villain. Like, you just inherently know he's already pulling the wool over people's eyes, and you're like, yes. either Nick Fury is fooled, or that's not Nick Fury. You're not waiting for the, you're not waiting for the, oh, and then, and then he gets bitten by an evil magician, right? Yeah, you're not waiting for uh, anything a radioactive magician <laughs> go over the edge. You're like, he's already, he's already knee deep in his plan here. Yeah, and I think, I think John Hall plays it. It's nice and understated beforehand, but he plays it in this kind of like, you know, I'm going to throw one little bone out to you, Peter, in every scene. So even when Nick Fury's been a dick. And again, that's why it kind of felt so orchestrated that like Mysterio must have created this version of of Fury and Hill because they almost seem to exist to set him up to, to have a nice little wink mm-hmm. and a nudge to Peter. Like, I've got you back here, buddy. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Um and I, I, I thought all of that stuff was, was, was decently set up. You are, you are waiting for that, for that reveal. I felt like we waited a bit too long, because <laughs> given that, uh, I don't know. I because I feel like this is a Winter Soldier thing, right? That like that's Bucky. We all know that's Bucky, and people still say we don't all know that's Bucky. Some, some but, people didn't. Yeah, people didn't. A lot, yeah. a lot of people didn't. But do you? But so that's my question. Do you think the movie? Do you think the movie? If you had no idea who Mysterio was from the comics, mm-hmm. do you think you would have not seen it coming? I mean, it's hard to tell, but I can uh. I can imagine not seeing it coming. Certainly, but I don't. Certainly, think the film matters. doesn't think you know it's coming. Like yeah, the film plays but, it dead straight, as if it's a twist. Down to like even down to. When the reveal happens, it's for the audience's benefit. It's not for Peter's benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but also, I like the nature of that reveal, and I, and and the fact that the reveal is not a surprise. What what was surprising to me was the. It's not 
Mysterio is is doing this. It's Mysterio is doing this with a massive team of people who he's recruited from Stark Technologies. Mm. That, to me, was a twist reveal. The bar scene, you knew as soon as he handed in the glasses that that, that, that was when he was going to start cackling. What I didn't know was that he was going to flip off the illusion of the bar itself and be surrounded by people, some of whom had been minor characters in previous MCU films. Mm. That's a good reveal. It's like, Gall- it's like Gallagher guy, right? Turning back up in Winter Soldier. He's just like, yeah, that, that's that's nice. I, and you know the moment where he puts on the glasses. Mm. That that's the moment where I went. They've designed those glasses specifically for Jake Gyllenhaal's face to make him look as much like yep. Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely. Because the yeah. moment he puts on the glasses, you're like, I yeah. know you've been doing this entire movie, but in this exact moment, even I am surprised how much Jake Gyllenhaal looks like Robert Downey <laughs> <Yeah>. Jr. <laughs> it's remarkable Definitely. with just a pair of glasses. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I, I, I did not see... I, I mean, I felt like the moment that they were sat in that bar, I was like... Right. Okay. So it's pretty clear that Edith is what is what the plan is. That's what that's what Mysterio wants to get. Right. He's got it. The reveal is coming now. Right. Yep. Okay. Oh, and then this the the bar. And you know when you realise that it's a hologram and it's bath because I, I also hadn't figured out how he was doing the elementals. I knew obviously mm. it was a it was a ruse. I, I hadn't figured out how. Even when that thing flew off towards MJ, I didn't I didn't get it. Um. And do you remember when we talked about in the build-up to Infinity War and Endgame that, like, Barth had been spotted on a set somewhere and that that was going to tie into things and that that was a thing that they'd been setting up and how was this How was this all going to tie in? And so it turns out it was just a Spider-Man thing, not not an Avengers thing that they'd been saving Barth for. And it's, it's pretty smart, right? It's, yeah, make it disgruntled Stark employees. Barth is how he's doing it. He's got Stark tech. He realizes that you know that the answer is to get hold of Star Tech. That's the power in this Tony Starkless universe is to try and make yourself the next Tony Stark. Um, and character motivations wise, I think it tracks. Yeah, he's got. He's gone. I want to be the hero. There, are, there are going to be casualties to get there, but I can become like the most loved and adored person in the world, and not have to lift a finger. Really, I mean, and also it. It ties in for, you know, with Homecoming's theme as well, where, you know, Tony Stark created the villain effectively. Um, and, you know, Peter's then trying to clear it up. Like, it sort of, it ties Peter and Tony together in that sense, like narratively and in in terms of his legacy or whatever. Um, so in that sense, I think it worked. The thing I wish had happened is that all of his employees had been minor characters from previous films. Because as it is, Mm. they're like, hey, here's a guy who was in one scene and he's back. And here's someone who was standing off to the side of another scene and he's here. And And then they do five other people and you're like, oh, but then they're not. Yeah, because I did after the first guy. And again, my friend who I sat with was like, I knew I recognised him from somewhere. I watched Iron Man last week. (laughs) I knew I recognised that guy. I was like, "Oh, brilliant!" And then, yeah, they go through, and you're like, "Oh, oh it was did just you run the, out? it was just him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, you didn't spot Jake Gyllenhaal just off stage in yeah. Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like the bar scene, and that's the scene that I'm talking about where 
it feels like Gyllenhaal gets yeah, to cut Yeah, when loose. he stands on the bar and you're like, oh, is, there, is Jake Gyllenhaal from Okja? <laughs> like a flamboyant, <laughs> I... like expressive Jake Gyllenhaal. And then after that, he retreats again back into like Marvel, just turn up and say the lines, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know, because I think, I mean, you know, finally getting to actually talk about the character, which he's still the, the push button doing. I, 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 Wait, just, Seb, before you get there, <laughs> did you know that J. Jonah Jameson's in the post-credit scene of this movie? <laughs> I've actually forgotten everything I wanted to say about it, to be honest. <laughs> I've totally, I've, yeah, I've totally lost my momentum for anything I was going to say about it now. <laughs> I like it when we actually throw you off. Um, <laughs> let's go back to Mysterio. Um, <laughs> come on, Seth. <laughs> you must have something. Well, I did, but I couldn't get a word in edgeways. So, because you were just talking about, oh, you think it's a crap reveal, and I wanted to actually talk about the carrying, but I've lost it. No, now. we think it's a good. <laughs> we think it's a good reveal. The reveal's good. It's just everything that follows it that's terrible. No, well, I, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Yeah. Not least because you, <laughs> please, please offer your rebuttal. How do you say everything that please. follows it is terrible when it's got the really good stuff that comes later? Genuinely, what's the good stuff that comes later? Yeah, what is the good stuff? <laughs> I'm, I am baffled that you guys seem to have forgotten the best scene of the film, but um, okay. Um, what's the Seth, best scene of the film? Like, I... Yeah, start there. Start there. What's the best scene in the film? Well, okay. For start, okay. So for starters, right on the on the character of Mysterio, I think they play. You know, as someone who. May have noticed, like I have been quite excited about seeing them do this character, and so the fact that they absolutely nail his character and personality and what he does. Because what I really like about it is, you know, it's the fact that he comes from this thing of he's a, he's a disgruntled Stark Industries employee, um, but the the personality trait that ends up overriding that is his massive sense of like self obsession and belief in his own artistic talent and ability which is what comes from Mysterio from the comics which is the failed special effects guy who believes that he's an absolute genius and turns to being Mysterio in order to prove that so <laughs> I mean in fairness he is an absolute genius well yeah true like that's <laughs> that's the tragedy of the character yeah. he's amazing yeah and you know I but I like that that throughout they kind of play this you know he has this kind of obsession I I like the way they do him as a director um, I think the stuff with him kind of choreographing and, and working the kind of behind the scenes stuff is good. I love the reveal of the fact that underneath his like CGI generated fancy Mysterio costume, Mysterio's costume is a CGI dot mapping suit. <laughs> and like the triangles and circles tie into the Mysterio triangle and eye logo thing that he has it's like that's a that's a clever bit of design and a clever bit of concept and i love that in a film that is about spider-man and mysterio you get an absolutely amazing set piece of mysterio fighting spider-man with illusions that's really really well done and looks fantastic and is the first bit in in either of the spider-man films that actually feels like it has a creative director behind it this mysterious director who doesn't exist. Maybe the director is Mysterio. Maybe that's the point. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem is it feels like it has the director of the Arkham Asylum games behind did you, it. Did you guys really not like that sequence? I thought that sequence was absolutely I brilliant. I hate that sequence. I hate that why? sequence. Why? It's why, why, it was why just way too much. Sequence? I, I think it looks... Uh, I think it, it all looks so really 
so artificial in a in in a CG like I, I've I've seen Spider Man trippy visuals again six seven months ago and I, I love that stuff. It didn't. I don't. I, I. It didn't like communicate anything to me. I didn't think it was particularly visually interesting. I compare it to the trippy stuff that I've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy or Doctor Strange or Ant Man and the Wasp, and I preferred all of those versions of it. And and it also it felt like it established such a level of power for Mysterio that was so easily overpowered a couple of scenes later. Yeah, but, it was so beyond and, and, what his capabilities should have I, been, yeah. like, with a couple, yes. with a few drones. Like, it was... It felt like it need, that scene needed to end with, also, I've injected you with hallucinogenic drugs. Because there's yeah, no other it, way they could achieve that level of, like, craziness. Video game cutscene is is what it what it said to me. And, like, it was also tailored as well to the character. I was like, where, how long have you been planning this? Because like the bit where there he sort of whips up this illusion of Iron Man coming out of the grave to attack Peter and stuff, and it's like, did you know you're going to do this like, you know, a year ago? Like, how long have you been making this? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't. I, I'm I'm always willing to give dramatic license on that stuff. I I I think probably a lot of it comes down to the movie had lost me by this point. Um, I mean, the movie totally had me. I was just like, it was, it was, there was so much of it and it was so complicated and so like artificial. It just, it, it felt beyond what Mysterio should have been capable of. It felt to me like Spider-Man fighting Mysterio in a way that you see in comics. And it was the most comics-y that a sequence, again, a sequence in the Spider-Man films has looked up to this point. So I really enjoyed it for that. Yeah, I I I, I don't dispute that. I do well, you think, just yeah, did dispute it. Most, to be fair, no, I don't yeah, dispute it. It is very. I don't dispute. I don't dispute this the most comicsy, but like in the same way that I don't dispute that Infinity War is probably the most comicsy movie in the MCU, and that's not what works about it for me. Um, <laughs> it's what I, works about it for me. <laughs> I th- I think there's a really careful balance with Mysterio, right? It's and it, it's a difficult balance, and obviously this has worked for each of us with different levels of success. With, with everything about Mysterio being artificial, you have such a difficult job on your hands when it comes to establishing stakes. And, and 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 I think as well. The, for me, the stakes were never really clear. So in the early scenes where he's fighting the elementals, I'm aware that those elementals can't really be real because they are Mysterio constructions. And I, and you know, I know that hasn't been revealed, but that's the assumption I've made at that point in the movie. They're not really there. So is the damage they're doing real? And I think what the movie tells us later is mostly no, right? Because it's just. Well, sort of it is because he's got some of those drones that have weapons in them. So some of it's real and some of it's not the destruction. Yeah, I mean, I was actually waiting. You know that scene on the bridge where they're like, they sort of figure out what's going on. I was expecting them to go back to that square and be like, hey, all the damage isn't here. But some of it is actually like charges that he's put on the post before and detonated them. Some of it is, is weapon fire from the drones. And so most of it is real. Like, I was genuinely expecting them, them to go there and for it to be pristine. Yeah. And then just to be like, 
it's like we weren't here. It was, it's all an illusion. Yeah. I mean, so those, those first two action sequences felt... Uh, and Marvel can be accused of this quite often, but the first two action sequences felt particularly stakeless to me with the with the two elementals and then and then afterwards so that and that in that trippy scene i'm like well if mysterio wants to kill peter he can just kill him now right because he's in he's in the machine he's done it's it's gone and pretty much he can as long as he's nearby he can kill anyone he wants and actually we know if he's got edith all he needs to do is go Oh, that person go you know go shoot and kill them. I think as long as he- I think the thing that's stopping him is that he has to not be found out. So he can't just murder Peter Parker. He has to do it discreetly. I I don't understand how you get out of that scene where again I felt he was like so ridiculously overpowered with what he'd managed to construct around Peter that Peter had no idea who he was, he didn't, uh, where he was, whether the people around him were real, whether the structures around him were real. Like, do do those things have, does any of it have weight to him? Because, like, when all the different Peter, when all the different, like, Spider-Mans are jumping on top of him, does it actually feel like someone's jumping on top of him? I I, I mean, I can't answer these questions. That's part of why the sequence didn't really work for me. And, and, but I think that's a balance that the movie... I think it's a challenge for the movie from start to finish is how do you communicate those stakes in a consistent way given that your villain is an illusionist, effectively, a special effects artist. And and, and it felt it felt kind of unclear on a, on a scene-to-scene basis. Now, I will because I want to get Seb back on side slightly... <laughs> Say that I think the the stuff that works for me about Mysterio, I think the costume's great. The costume is and amazing, I, and I agree. I think the 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 like the special effects side of it is is good. Um, could have done with a little bit less of him just explaining what's going on because <laughs> the movie hadn't found a more elegant way to explain the first half of the movie, other than we're just going to pull back the, the the curtain and let Jake Gyllenhaal monologue. But I guess. You get to let Jake Gyllenhaal monologue, right? I do think it probably would have been actually uh, more enjoyable, and given that the precedent for it, um, if Mysterio had actually been from another universe, but you know, just still a baddie. You could have done that, right? <laughs> not without opening up a can yeah, of worms. Yeah, it's it's not this film's place to open that strand of the MCU. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> but then, the, you know, then that's again part of the problem I think with sort of trying to play it as a surprise reveal is that if you know anything about how these films work, even if you know you don't know who Mysterio is, you would know that this is not the film that makes multiverses a thing. You know, that would be an Avengers film. Well, I mean, I suppose Endgame kind of alternate timelines did in a sense. But so as mm. soon as he says that, you know his story's full of shit, even if you don't know who Mysterio is. So we we obviously discussed this when that trailer came out, that first trailer. The what was it, three four days after the release of Endgame, mm-hmm. and the multiverse line was dropped, and we we had some fun on a mini side, I think, saying like, "Oh, it confirms multiverses," but it actually doesn't at all. Um, I almost uh, do, do you wonder like give it again what you just said Seb that with the with the alternate timelines and stuff 
do you think this is almost like a dry run for, you, for multiverses from Marvel? They go, if we just like throw the idea out there as a concept, you know, that this is a thing that could happen, that potentially later down the line you're going to come back and go, oh, yeah, no, I, like multiverses are a thing. that We know Cap's created multiple timelines so is that is that multiverses that have been created are there other versions of these characters out there somewhere you just have that little nugget in the back of your mind as an mcu fan that goes oh yeah no you've you've established the concept of that because this movie explains how a multiverse would function does it well it says he's come from another universe which has been destroyed and like this different these those things exist over there and they exist over here there are parallels between them and Pete and peter does that little bit of you know science techie stuff which you know which goes yeah okay that's 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 on concepts level what a multiverse is and again i think if you're not a if you're not a nerd you might not be intimately familiar with the idea of multiverses and these are four quadrant movies, so you need like that stuff kind of needs to be set up. Gotta explain it to the to the dads. What I'm basically saying is, if you want the Fantastic Four to come from a multiverse, right, from a different universe, you can. I think this makes it slightly easier. I think it's follow up. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, it it maybe slightly softens the. I don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think it does or needs to do that much to really prepare. I don't think it preps people that much. I don't think you need to exactly. prep people. Like if you, if you want the Fantastic Four to come from an alternate universe, set it up in that movie. Mm. Um, counterpoint: Does this movie introduce the multiverse? Discuss. <laughs> didn't we just agree it didn't? No, but uh, does it? Does it though? Does it though? In its post-credit scene, does it though? J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> played by J.K. Simmons. Seb, ex- talk us through your reaction when that happened. I'd already had it spoiled, so James needs to talk oh, us through his reaction. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Who spoiled it for you? Name and shame. I, 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 just, I, saw it, I saw it referenced I saw it referenced online that Jameson was in it. And then I was like, oh. And then I saw that it was Simmons. And so I, I texted, but then I, it looked like it was a rumour on Twitter. So I texted James and said, I didn't even name anyone. I just said, is that actor playing that character? And he said, yes. But only because, right, I want to make it clear. Yeah. <laughs> because the there was no James. answer I could give to that, which was then not going to make it. Like, if I'd said yes, he knows. If I'd said I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm, no I'm, not, I'm not. If I'd said no, it would have been a lie. I, I, so. At that point, when, as soon as the possibility had been raised, I didn't want to. I didn't want the anticipation of not knowing and potentially being disappointed. So I wanted to know either way. And, yeah, and... I mean, personally, if I'd read that spoiler, I wouldn't have asked anyone because <laughs> I would yeah, want no, the uncertainty. And when it happened, like, I kind of I clocked it. I was like, "Oh shit, they're going to show Jameson. Who's it going to be?" And when it was when it was Jameson, like I cheered so loud. When it was Simmons, sorry, I cheered so loud, like involuntarily, like punched the air. Like I was sh- I literally shouted, "Like yeah!" So much. The screen went wild. Yeah, that we I in. didn't even hear what he said because <laughs> I was like he so said- deliriously pleased to see him. He said, "There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Spider-Man's a menace." I mean, it, it sounds it sounds right. It did. It, it does. It's such a good solution to the question of 
he's irreplaceable. Um, yeah. And so yeah. rather than trying to come up with some lateral thinking way of replacing him, like the thing we talked about, about how, um, you know, sort of potentially like gender flipping or just doing something completely different with the character, it's like, no, why do we need to replace him? What What is it that says that we can't just cast J.K. Simmons again? Which again, I, I'm sure if you cut, if you go to, I remember it's one of our very first pods we did. It was where they'd announced that Spider Man, that Marvel had got the rights back to Spider Man, and that he was going to be appearing in Civil War, and then that there would be a, fo- a, a follow up Spider Man movie. Right? I'm sure we talked on there about. Well, just bring J.K. Simmons back. Mm. Like, if there's one thing you want to bring back, bring back <laughs> J.K. Simmons. And then it felt like Commissioner Gordon had killed that dream. But we didn't know um, that, and that I would... film <laughs> had killed itself already. <laughs> that, that that film would barely exist. Is he, is he in Batman v Superman or is he in Justice League? I can't even remember. Or is he in both? He's in both, isn't he? Is he in both? For like one scene each. I can barely... And do you remember those pictures of him on Instagram where he got super, super ripped to play the role? That he was going to be this like action-packed Commissioner Gordon? Was that? I thought that was for and a different movie. Yeah, they thought it oh, was, was it? for well, uh, Justice League, but it wasn't. It was just coincidence. Right. Well, thank goodness that wasn't for Justice League in that case, because I mean, I can't remember J.K. Simmons in those movies. I can't remember him in both of them. Certainly, I remember a scene of him on a rooftop, and that's about it. There's a scene of him on the rooftop with like the whole Justice League turning up, and then Flash. He Flash. Everyone else has gone, and Flash is like, "Oh, I better go too." Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, it's left no cultural footprint, and so that was, you know, (laughs) amazing for Marvel that they can just go, yeah, bring him back. And he is Alex Jones in this Mm. in the MCU. Is that is that a fair analogy? Yeah, I mean, that's how they've. It feels very Infowarsy, right? It's how they've sort of positioned Jameson, sort of latterly, anyway. Is that like if he was that kind of character, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be a newspaper publisher. He'd be on the TV or on the radio. You know, he'd be a shock jock type blowhard. He'd be presenting Good Morning Britain, I think. <laughs> Christ. I, do you think that's fair, though? Because I, I think it would be difficult to place him, you know, quite at the, at the Alex Jones level of the spectrum. Yeah, only where... because he's not a far-right fascist psychopath. Yeah, it's... He's... He... He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be on that big screen in Times Square saying the Battle of Sokovia never no. happened. P- politically, he's not Alex Jones, but I think what they're going with, and it ties into what Mysterio says at the end, just before he dies, which is the people will believe anything, and it's the it's the people shouting stuff loudly enough gets believed. So Alex Jones talks some absolute shit. But there are people who believe it because of the way he says it. And it'll be the same with J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson will say that kind of thing about Spider-Man and will perpetuate this idea that Spider-Man committed a terrorist atrocity. Um, and people will buy it because of the position that he's in. I think there is a there is a, a streak of this movie, that, and, and this ties into this, that is... Uh, speaking to Trump era politics, speaking to fake news. And, I mean, if it, you know, yeah, if it, if, yeah. It, if it's Mysterio leans into that, right? If it's got any theme other than the stuff with Peter inheriting from uh, uh, from Iron Man, then that's that's probably what it. But it, it it's one of those where because it's like there's something. 
It's there, right? But it's not. It doesn't feel like something you can yeah, get. Yeah, but it, but it, into. if it's doing it feels like with Mysterio, that is certainly what it's doing. Um, it's doing. It's doing. It's doing that. But if you were in any way right leaning, you could you could completely write it off and say no, that's mm. not there. But the the the. the the J.K. Simmons bit is interesting because positioning him more as that, that feels like the more explicit version of it. And I'll be honest, like I, I that post credit scene, I I really liked that post credit scene because here is Spider-Man for the first time in the movie swinging around New York and suddenly I'm going, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Look, he's swinging and he's in Times Square and oh, like, and I know, I know this is me going, this is what I want from the movie rather than any meaningful, the meaningful thing is, criticism. Like, but Spider-Man swinging through New York is so viscerally enjoyable. It's the Man of Steel problem, isn't it? Which is that the film leaves you by going... And the next film is going to be all the stuff you really want to see. <laughs> I think Marvel Marvel has a tendency of doing that, especially normally with first movies where they will introduce a character. Like I, I, even Marvel movies that I really like, I feel like they get to the end and then they promise you the pure version of like it's all the good things mm. from this movie, right. but with the other things that you want. And it, it doesn't always play out that way when you get to those. But this I ends know, I with think... Spider-Man swinging through New York, J.K. Simmons turning up, who is the one actor that any Spider-Man fan wants to turn up. Yeah. As as J. Jonah Jameson saying, Spider-Man's a menace. I've revealed his... Um, I've revealed his um, identity, his secret identity, and positioned the public against him. Like suddenly, I go, I don't care how much I didn't like this movie. I want to see the next one, but then I also want to trust that they can pull that off, and I don't know whether I do. And I feel like I get lulled into this a lot of times with movies, like, "Oh, the sequel's going to be amazing." And you go, is it though? In fairness to Marvel, I think Marvel are really good at making you excited for a sequel. I think it. Yeah. This is probably the first time they've made me think, "Oh, I wish I'd seen that movie instead of this one." It also, I think, makes a whole lot of sense as we've talked about before. The MCU doesn't do secret identities. That's why Civil War had to pivot and do yeah. something different. Is there another secret identity out there other than Spider-Man? Uh. Uh, Ant-Man? No, because he just says in the restaurant, hey, I'm Ant-Man, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, I'm Ant-Man. <laughs> I mean, in the in the Netflix MCU, Daredevil firmly that, that, has No, it. James, no. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, James, no. They don't even exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're gone now. They've finished <laughs> Jessica sure Jones, as soon, it's all done. As soon as Jessica Jones showed up on Netflix, everything else was, like, it just... It was snapped away into existence. <laughs> all, all of those, all of those files in I the mean, cloud. I mean, season three of Jessica dust. Jones even has her operating, like, quite publicly as, hey, I'm Jessica Jones, I'm the superhero private detective. So, right. yeah. Yeah, but so we so we've talked about that before. The MCU doesn't really do secret identities, and here is this movie just going at the end. The biggest secret identity, the only one left. Boom, that's out there. And I, I, you know, I think watching Spider Man deal with that will be interesting from a, both a wider world point of view, from a from a like the characters around him point of view. I do. Mm, I, I mean, the thing with Spider Man is. The biggest thing with Spider-Man, the thing that is the underpinning character thing of Spider-Man, and that these films have managed to do quite well up to this point, 
is if I am being Spider-Man, my life as Peter Parker suffers. If and the reason for that is because it's a secret identity. So he yeah, has to if keep you don't not, have a life of Peter. Yeah. <laughs> he has to keep ducking out on his life as Peter in order to be Spider-Man. And Yeah. And that's harmed when people find out he's Spider-Man because he can just say I've got to go. I and know do we a had this date thing. planned. Yeah. I have to go and be Spider-Man. And like that that scene in the opera house where like he wants to go and sit with MJ. We want him to go and sit with MJ. MJ wants him to go and sit with her. Yeah. But we know he's got to go and do this like superhero crap with Nick Fury. But in that scene, in that if, scene, if she, if she already knows, right? Say she already does know. The only difference is that she would she would know the reason why he's leaving. No, that's the the thing though. Like, if he ducks out on her for no reason, she's like, "Oh, maybe Peter's not the guy I thought he was." If he says, "Hey, I'd love to sit and watch the opera with you, but the world's at stake. I've got to go." Any reasonable person is going to be like, yeah, fine, we'll do something else. I mean, later. no, because no, I still, I still think watched, it's okay. We just watched the MCU with Tony Stark and Pepper Potts, and for the majority of that, Pepper knows mm. that Tony is Iron Man. You still yeah, but see she's the she's exasperated, but she's not like, oh, you're not but the guy. It, but, I thought but, you but were. with but with no, but it's still it's still interesting. Yeah, still also with Peter, really it's not just that part. Of, so I think the thing with Peter is, yeah, again, we've got precedent for that of Peter being like married to Mary Jane, who knows that he's Spider Man. Firstly, yeah, you can still create conflict in a relationship. It's just a different kind of relationship. Secondly, it's all the other stuff in Peter's life. You know, even if he's got his romantic life sorted out, there's still everything else. He still can't hold down a job because he's spider-man there's all these things that are a problem because he's spider-man it's not just his relationship with mj and again if the world know again if everyone knows that he's spider-man and he's in school and he's got to duck out of a lesson everyone's like all right then go on go and do your spider-man thing it is a totally mm, different a, dynamic also his school not in a world though up. that has been <laughs> so the, hey isn't this funny that like now now when we're separated on is i like the reveal and you guys don't I like I I think that in a world where people know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man but don't like but have been turned against Spider-Man suddenly this kid that all he wants to do is live a normal life that is that is him well, all the way through this movie going I want to I want to be Peter Parker I want to be normal if the world is turned against him can he go to college? Can he go back to school? Can he have a normal well, no, well, job? Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, the setup at the very, very end of the film does not leave you in a situation where Peter can have any life as Peter Parker because nice. like, he'll get arrested or murdered immediately. So that one, at least one of those aspects has to be resolved. Either people don't believe that he's Spider-Man or they don't believe that he committed that atrocity. If they believe both those things, then you've got such a fundamentally different... You can't have Peter Parker at school in that scenario. So Yeah, you know. but sort of the problem with you... that is they can get John Favreau to do a press conference be like, hey, this guy's a solid dude. Here are some Avengers who vouch for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just going to have to trust us. Here's, here's the identity of this, you know, madman who framed him. See, I think that I think the potential for the the potential for storytelling with the ending that they gave got me excited because especially if you're going to lean into the Trump era side of things, it doesn't it doesn't matter if like global celebrities stand up and say no 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 like this guy's called like no or like you should 
Like, this guy's a dick and this guy's cool. The people that are already on the other side of things go, no, no, I don't want to hear fake news. I, no, <laughs> Mysterio. Spider-Man's Mysterio. The, Spider-Man is the new that- Bernie Sanders, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, what I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter if you have 50 of the world's most famous celebrities recording a video together to say, do not vote for Donald Trump because he is a monster who we have on tape saying that he molested women who 20 odd women have said have, 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 he's raped them. Right. Yeah. You've, it doesn't matter because even the most powerful and influential like figures in our media can make that video and it doesn't, it doesn't matter because people have already decided what side of the debate they're on. And I think the way that they position J.K. Simmons in that scene feels political. I mean, and I don't I don't know what the sequel's going to do. I just think that the storytelling potential for that, for Spider-Man as kind of an outcast who has to win back New York, I can I can see a movie in that that, the I, thing want, is, that I, I want I can, to watch. They could have done that scene without outing his identity. Like, as soon as you do that, it changes the fundamental, like, storytelling engine of Spider-Man, which is the tension between being, like, if if every time he puts on the Spider-Man suit, he knows, like, there's a good chance he gets a bullet in the head. Like, that that makes it hard of him to be Spider-Man. And if people, like, if Mary Jane and Aunt May are like, please don't be Spider-Man, and he's like, well, I've got to, otherwise people die... And they're like, what if you die? Like, there, you know, there's a tension there. Everyone Under the current every, circumstance. Everyone knows who every other superhero is, right? Yeah, but that, that doesn't mean it's better. No, but it doesn't stop them superheroing. I, I, I think I agree that you can't continue on for the entirety of the rest of this Peter Parker's screen life with the public both knowing that he's Spider-Man and thinking that he's a villain. But I think that as the status quo for one future movie that takes place in two years' time is achievable. And I think the the side of that, well, the side of that probably that you fix by the end of the movie is that people realise that Spider-Man is not a villain. <laughs> I think the... Or or they find a way to get the identity back in the box. Maybe it's a... Uh, they've got... Maybe it's a... T- Iron Man is Tony Stark's bodyguard kind of scenario. <laughs> and they've got a Doctor Strange. That's how they did it in the comics. I mean, I think really? the boldest way to do this is Peter sacrifices himself and they introduce Miles Morales. But mm, oh. we'll see. That's, it's soon, right? That is soon. It feels like it's got to happen fairly soon, yeah. No, but I, no, I mean, I think even 2021 is early to replace the the Tom Holland Spider-Man in the MCU. I think you I think you at least do a movie of them together or something before you get to that. Yeah, maybe. Also, I feel like again the I know I know I said I wanted that in this in this movie, but if you've got a if you've got a right-wing nut job, you know, Alex Jones type saying Spider-Man's a villain, look, he killed this guy that we all really love and here's his real identity. I'm going to dox him, right? That feels like the kind of guy who is not running that system, that that station on his own. That doesn't. That show doesn't end up on a big Times Square TV screen on its own. That's got some big money backing, and that's where I feel like you know you've got the potential to have your like Norman Osborn pulling the strings, and and for the for for there to be what I would like is there for for there to be a personal connection that stems from Peter in the next movie. That there is a motivation for. What you know? What is the motivation there to to 
out Peter's identity. I want it to be something personal to him. Uh, and I hope they find a way to do that through potentially Norman Osborn or the Sinister Six. You know, maybe it's Michael Keaton back, right? Maybe maybe Vulture's back. And this time, rather than him being a guy that was just simply created by Tony Stark and those two cross paths because Peter's in the same area where he is because his daughter goes to the same school, which I think is, a, you know, it, the way that I've said that scene at the end of Homecoming when they're in the car, I think is phenomenal. It's like by far and away the best scene in that movie. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like maybe there's a way to bring it together. I just saw the end of that movie, that post credit scene. And to be honest, I was really fucking annoyed that that was in the post credits, not in the movie. Just just put it in the film. Put it before the end credits. Marvel have got, have got into a real rut of doing this, of like stuff that should be in the movie. It's like if I, if I, I, I am mean, Iron Man had arrived halfway... It is the it is, it is the I am movie, Iron Man right? scene, right? The fact that it's they not showed, in the movie. Yeah, the fact they showed some names doesn't mean it's not in the movie. It does. It in does. What, in what I say? In what sense? That's all the movie. The movie ends, and then there are some credits, and another scene pops up. I honestly, I think. Can you imagine if Iron Man ended right after his fight with Jeff Bridges, and then halfway through the credits, the press conference came on? Yeah, but that's that's, that's what this that's is. Ten to me. years ago, like. You're, Put it in the movie. You're getting hung up on what what the movie consists of. Like, if you go to a Marvel movie and you don't stick around for the end for the mid credits, at least that's your own fault. Like, you haven't watched that's the whole you. Movie. That's you leaving. Yeah, that's you leaving before stuff that is going to be in like in the story. Put it in the movie. It's in the movie. It is, I, it's I, in the movie. Uh, I I. I... I think it is a screenwriting crutch to throw crucial information into the post-credit scenes. I think it's more egregious with the with the Telos stuff because put it in the movie. <laughs> Just put it in, like I think the movie is weaker for leaving that reveal as late as it does to have that reveal so deep. The thing into is the, the movie still stands alone if you don't know the Telos thing. Like it's a bit weird but it still stands alone. I also think that I think I think there is more of a reason for putting things like that in the post credits, which are um so in that instance, let's say you've watched this and you don't know who Talos is. If that's in the main body of the movie, I think it's a more confusing scene because you've got to explain more who he is. If it's yeah. a post credits, you kind of know well, these are the scenes for people who kind of get what these are about. Yeah, you're playing to the hardcore audience. Yeah. It, I, I, this is not a criticism just purely at this film, because I think quite a few Marvel movies have done it. Black Panther, I think, is one of the, the main offenders here. I just think that a lot of these Marvel movies have, like, three or four, four closing scenes that they want to, like, this is the information we want to put in the end of the movie. And rather than finding an elegant way of doing it, they go, oh, we can just put it in the credits. And that's fine, I guess. I just... I'd like to see them think their way around that rather than just going, and now we put this bit in the credits. I mean, I just... I think it is in the movie. Like, in any meaningful sense, that's in the movie. <laughs> like, it's not like there's some outtakes and then, you know, one of the outtakes contains some plot information it's not like it's a deleted scene on a dvd like it's a scene in the movie it's just it happens after a bit of the credits well all of the credits hey well it bugged me (laughs) 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 right what haven't we what haven't we touched on in the movie itself uh the holland fans 
I enjoyed that scene an awful lot. He doesn't go to Holland, what? He does. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Oh, the tulips, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, so... (laughs) I like that for Seb, the identifier is the bright orange football shirts, and for you, it's tulips. Well, also, there is all the... (laughs) That is what separates the sports fan from... There is the dialogue that is specific. Maybe, obviously, this is just something I liked because uh, I am of Dutch part Dutch background myself, but the bit about uh, the line that's, oh, you're all so nice and you speak such good English. Welcome to the Netherlands. It's like, that's Holland in a nutshell. And then the bit after that where like he's in the Market Square thing and like the guy's being really nice about being put on the phone and explaining where they are. It's just like, I, I liked seeing... A, a, a positive and accurate representation of Holland on a cinema screen that doesn't have anything to do with drugs. <laughs> it reminded me of Eurotrip. <laughs> have you guys seen Eurotrip? I mean, that's this whole film, right? Is Eurotrip? Yeah, but but like that—that that was that. You know, that there is this scene. Oh, there's a scene in that movie where Vinnie Jones hilariously plays a Man United Ugh. hooligan. Yeah. Who's on his way to Paris? Which is which is weird for a football fan to see mm. Vinnie Jones like being like, "I'm Manchester United, yeah. mate." Um, it's but Eurotrip has lots of little bits like that, and like someone waking up in a prison with three like grinning Dutch football fans looking down at them feels like a very Eurotrip thing. And there was, I think, Eurotrip's an underrated teen comedy. To be honest with you, Don't um, Charlie Lyon. but yeah. <laughs> yes, I, wa- I watched it. His, um, um, I also his just, events, yeah, just yeah. really liked, um, yeah, Peter Parker wearing a, a Holland football shirt. Uh, that's not something I, gonna, I expected when, to see in like, this movie. I was going to say when I saw Peter Parker in a football shirt, I was like, "Well, Seb's going to love that." <laughs> Especially because it was a Holland shirt. Not me. Football fans made my life a misery. <laughs> I was trying to get my head around um, the the contract that must have been signed for that to happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because yeah, the the badge and the Nike logo and stuff. Yeah, actually being shown. Yeah, I I imagine if you're in Holland right now, there is a lot of acti- a, lot, a lot of commercial activity <laughs> happening yeah. around that well, also particular and, and in the World Cup final, the the women's team. So good timing. Yes, um, also, I think we do have to give some props for. I think I, I I said this on Twitter, but the Thornington Crescent Award for good London geography. I mean, it doesn't make <laughs> it difficult for itself because it keeps it around such a particular area. But the geography is good, and they have happy make a joke about people confusing Tower Bridge with London Bridge. So, because um, <laughs> yeah. there is the bit, doesn't he? says like they said London yeah. Bridge. Your friend said that, it was. Yeah. Your friend said it was London Bridge, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Counterpoint: They run into the crown room of the Tower of London. Uh, yeah, that that maybe not. And so there accurate. are beef eaters <laughs> with machine. Guns. They're not beef eaters. They're um. They're guys so, in Busby's. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. like the guards, aren't they? What they're called, but, yeah. Yeah, they're the Tower yeah. of London guards. Yeah. Well, I liked um, that with the machine guns, <laughs> to be honest. What? I thought it was funny. <laughs> funny? I thought, I, I thought so... like, this is a gross misunderstanding of this sort of weaponry. Oh, no, see, I thought, it, I, thought, I thought it was a deliberate subversion of expectations, as in you don't expect them to have weapons like that, and then they actually do. When there's <laughs> yeah, because actual... they wouldn't. Yeah. But, they, but, they, but it's the Marvel Universe, so they do. Um I, I I thought it was so dumb, so dumb when they uh, ran into the into into actual actually the vault in the Tower of London, and I saw I, uh, James and I were chatting after the screening. I was chatting, um, and Mike Leader was there as well, and I was like, "Do do you think when people who live in New York and LA and Chicago do you think like do you think people who live in these cities and every time their movie turns up on screen, they like a movie turns up featuring the city on screen, they kind of go like." 
Oh, that's yeah, we, we we literally had this conversation on Thor: The Dark World yeah. about those places. Yeah, but but <laughs> but like, but that was that was more a geography thing. This was more a like, what? Like, am I missing stuff in other movies where people just like do stuff that is completely like? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, every time every time someone crawls into an air duct. <laughs> There yeah. are building designers everywhere going like, oh, that wouldn't happen. I mean, Black Panther invented a completely fictional museum in the centre of London that doesn't exist. So you know, um, but no, I, just, I, I thought I, I think the thing was kind it, of had, does a, it exist, had a sense of place, like the you know even like down at ground level, it was clear that sort of thing the movement between that specific area of London like was not badly done in a Thor the Dark World sense. Yeah, so. especially having like you've got Nick Fury in the shard across the river. Yeah. They're ha- and they're having the fight in between the, the tower and the the shard with the tower with Tower Bridge in the middle. Like bang on. Yeah. Can't fault it on that level. Can we we haven't talked got his basic geography right. <laughs> we haven't talked about the kids so much. And the teachers, certainly, we haven't talked about. Because I agree with you in that I thought the teachers were a massive misfire in here. And actually, like, a lot of the comedy in this film landed for me, but those two guys, I didn't understand what was going on. Well, I like Martin Starr. I like Martin Starr in a lot of other things. I loved Martin Starr in in the first one. Yeah, I like him in Homecoming. I think that joke about his wife is amazing. We've already already talked about that. But by and large, the rest of it, yeah, it kind of of missed for me. And introducing J.B. Smoove as like the the other teacher. And they had lots of others that they could have chosen from from the first movie. Um, I mean, like I thought Hannibal Buress in the first one was really good as the gym teacher. He could have been along here. But JB Smooth gets introduced, and again, a guy that I like, but it just clanged over and over I again. I think that performance was so broad. Like, him. The, the only thing I liked, actually, was that after he did his big, like, initial screed about witches, like, later on, he was reading a book that was called, like, History of Witchcraft or something, and I thought, oh, that's a funny detail. But actually, See, I thought re- it just, it was so unrealistic and so out there. I was just like, who is this maniac and why is he in charge of children? <laughs> well, that that kind of is the gag with Martin Starr in the first mm. movie, right? Yeah, but they, like they he... play it so well with Martin Starr. Yeah. And then this guy... It's like, like a subtle little yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not subtle the second time around. <laughs> it reminded me of the Baba Yaga stuff in Ant-Man of the Wasp. And that I really enjoyed. But I just think, I don't know, like... <laughs> Is that is that just me on the right wavelength for a movie that I like Michael Pena and I mean I, I Ti and David Dalmastian in that movie I in a way that I don't like the teachers. Here. I didn't enjoy it in Ant Man and the Wasp, and I've watched that film three times and hated it every time. So I really gave it a go. <laughs> but in this one, yeah, no, it didn't work. That said, the kids really did work for me, and I get that they were cartoonish and caricaturish. I just Ned and and. Betty, like, I just loved how like suddenly coupley they were. Yeah, that was that was that was a good gag. That was funny, even though you know you knew exactly what the punchline at the end was going to be, but it didn't stop it being funny. Yeah, and it was just uh, the way he was so gung ho about being bachelors, and then he was like, eh, "Sorry, actually, no." Uh, it's all that stuff that con- that contributes to it feeling. I think if you're positive on the movie, like frothy and fun and and zippy and if you're negative about the movie l- I mean you, you were the one comparing like... this to Eurotrip five minutes ago and now you're saying you don't <laughs> like this stuff um, I just I, really... I, don't li- I didn't like any of the kids I thought in the first movie the kids felt like 
yes, they were funny, but like the the little moments with like the kids sat on the on the bleachers discussing like fuck Mary Kill with Thor Iron Man and Dot Strange or whatever whatever it was, right? I, like I just thought those little moments of like and in that identifiable high school setting and seeing kids react in a normal way while still having their own individual little shticks. Whereas here it felt like, right, we've pared, pared it down. So it is these five characters, basically. And everyone from the first movie who was back, it felt like just the, the, the comedic hook of them had been amplified to the point where that was the only thing about the character. And I can't, I can't think of, I can't think of one of them really where it consistently worked for me in the film. Maybe, maybe like each of them got a chuckle or two. But Flash, I, I, was, I, I think I, the Flash, I love Flash, and I like, mm. I like what they were. I mean, it's weird the way it comes in so late and then doesn't get paid off. But they're obviously doing something with Flash in terms of his like home life. That little bit at the end when it's the butler <laughs> mother, who comes, but they're not coming. Yeah. Uh, they're obviously doing something there with him, and I, I liked what they did with him, and I always like his performance in these. Um, and as we said at the start, as I say, I, th- I think an, a really, really excellent portrayal of confused teenage awkwardness by Zendaya. I, you know, just really like what they did with that. Because as I say, I think, I think the whole thing of her being the sort of, I'm just gonna be obsessed with everything that's dark and about death and Sylvia Plath and stuff and I'm going to make a cynical joke about every single scenario that we're in can get really really tiresome but it acknowledges that because it actually shows you that she's putting that on quite a lot yeah. as a front like, against the, her own awkwardness and anxiety the the way they changed it from like in the first film she is this like sort of intimidating impenetrable figure because that's how the characters see her in this one like she's been their friends well it's like the the, the bit and, when she's and, like going on about like the the italian word that she's discovered and it's like she's not sullenly talking about that even though it's a thing about like brushing people she's excitedly sharing that with peter and mm-hmm. i thought that was a nice little moment there where it's like you know she's keen to tell him about this yeah and like like I say, the reason the reason it's changed is because their dynamic has changed, and we we mm. know a little bit more about her. And from from his perspective, she's not this sort of intimidating figure. Yeah, like she is actually a bit more well rounded. I think I think of all the performances in the film, it's hers that works most. Like certainly of the kids, I I would agree with that. Whilst not necessarily <laughs> agreeing with all that you've just said, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I I think she is. Yeah. I think, but I, like I don't, I don't think her personality think, changed at all. I think we saw more of it. Do you think that the way that this movie just starts with Peter now being into MJ, like I, I was like, oh well, I yeah, I guess because that's Peter Parker and that's Mary Jane. <laughs> it's not. It's but not a, Mary Jane. It's like, Michelle. Well, <laughs> but the, yeah, that's true. There's nothing in the first movie between them from a chemistry point like there's nothing from that like there's not i think uh, i can't remember any point in that movie where you think peter is even like having his head turned slightly by this slightly weird girl i thought i i feel like the end of the film it did 
I think it's that very last scene where she says that she's MJ, yeah. right? Where he kind of shoots her a look. But but that was that felt to me like a tease for a second movie, right? Rather than something like embedded in the film. And then just the start of this film, they're into well, each other. And I, went, I mean, come on, Joe, it has well, been I guess, five years. I, <laughs> the thing is it's like it's it's spider-man right and inherent in the concept of spider-man is he has lots of girlfriends i mean like it, give it two films and he's going to be he's going to be with betty brandt you know it's just how things are going to go <laughs> if like if anything for me the thing that the movies have failed to do like all of the movies have failed to do is is go with the idea of like spider-man as being a romance comic where the one of the characters happens to be a superhero because that is the primary feeling i get from the early issues of spider-man and like they play off that kind of archie comics dynamic of he's got a couple of girls around at any one time who's he gonna who's he gonna you know actually ask out is it going to be successful who's going to end up with his friend instead like that kind of thing and I know, like, I get if you're doing a movie instead of an ongoing soap opera, you just pick one girl and say, she's the love interest this time. And here's how we make it work. But for me, it, it doesn't feel like, especially given that we're talking about high school age kids, it doesn't feel like they're doing Liz a disservice by not mentioning her and being like, hey, he's into MJ now. Cause, oh, you know. no, no, that's, sorry, that's not what I was saying. What What I mean more is... I, I I think for me the reason why that relationship suffered was that I didn't see any of the legwork going into why they liked each other. Other than the movie goes, well, you as an audience like Peter and you as an audience like MJ, so you should like them together. And I get that this is going to work so much better for you if you think they've got chemistry, which you guys obviously do. I I thought it was all really flat. And whilst I like Zendaya's performance, that is the squintiest performance I've seen since Richard Gere. Every scene is delivered through like slits in her eyes where she's doing this kind of like hmm hmm thing. And you guys obviously do not agree. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't, Seb. I mean yeah. No, yeah. 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 Um I was trying to think. Uh, the, the, I guess the the other kind of running comedic bit that we've not really talked about in the movie was uh, I can't remember his name. The 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 guy who was aged up five years. Chad was. Who it? is the was it Chad? Brad. Brad. I think it's Brad. The guy who looks like he's out of Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> Trad. Yes, he's such he's such a River, Riverdale yeah. guy, isn't he? I, I I he feels like the in a weird way, the substitute for Liz here. Because I think that was the other thing that this movie felt like it was missing more for me was this. Yeah, here are all these kids who have got like little funny things about them. But I kind of just want the normal kid who's going through high school and isn't being affected by this other stuff. And for, in the first movie for me, that's Liz. She's just this normal girl who's at school and like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, has her life demolished by the fact that Spider-Man came anywhere near it. <laughs> Yes, right right at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, she's oblivious to everything going on around her until her dad's arrested right at the end of the movie. So she's just a normal kid. She's not got a shtick. She's not being funny. She's just, like, reacting to the situation she's put in. And that, I I guess that he is 
Chad Trad Brad is kind of we should find it. His name is Brad. Kind of, and in fact, I've just looked it is him Brad. Up. <laughs> Do you remember when we were criticizing Dark Phoenix for like there are so many character names you can use, just use ones from the comics. Brad Davis mm. is a character from issue 188 of Amazing Spider-Man in 1979, <laughs> and he was a former star quarterback from Empire State University who dated Mary Jane Watson. I mean, that does feel like that character. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, how did how did it work for you that that character? I think in in any other version of Spider-Man, this would have been Flash Thompson, like. A dickhead yeah, jock yeah, who's getting yeah, in the yeah. way of Peter's love interest. It would have been Flash Thompson. They've done a different version of Flash, who I fucking love. Like I think he's hilarious. Um, this, but that's I, I why he's felt, there. It felt a bit. It felt a bit mean almost because this guy to me didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he did photograph he, Peter in his underwear. It's not. Yeah, not but if a you're, plus behavior. If, if you're into a girl and you walk in and you see this guy stripped down to his undies with a with a beautiful woman in a truck stop in the middle of nowhere, you're probably going to go, hmm, um, I don't know what's going on here, but it's definitely not legit. And I'm probably going to tell the girl that we're both into because she likes because then she might like me more. And it's not like it's not like Peter has got a compelling reason to come back to him with. I just felt bad for the guy. <laughs> I, it, the way he's treated, I would have expected that from Andrew Garfield, not from someone. The thing is, like MJ's just not into him, and that's made clear later on. Like the the anxiety is, Peter thinks, "Oh shit, what if she's into this guy and I'm missing my chance?" Like that's enough yeah. for me. Like, actually, it turns out she was never interested. She was just being polite, and that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, closing thoughts, Seb. Do you want? Do you want to come back to Mysterio? Is there anything else you want to say? And I promise I won't come back and and shit on it. I'm just. I, I am just. You know. I'd say. I. I. I can't fault pretty much anything they did with Mysterio in this film, except for killing him off. It was what I would. Well, hoped, well. well if they did, yeah, it is Mysterio. Because I. I think. No, I think Mysterio. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is dead meat. Um. I do think Mysterio could come back in a future film. Yeah. Because do you think that that video wasn't done by Jake Gyllenhaal in advance, right? That was that was his guy. I think it was his... Sort of assuming the role of Mysterio. I mean, it was his plan because he says... He does say something cryptic as he's about to die and he, he has a look of sort of... I've just done something and you don't know what I've just done and it's going to come back to bite you. Because he says the thing about they'll believe anything. So I think that's his. I did. Plan. I did think when when Spider Man put the habit on, and <laughs> Edith was like, "Do you want me to execute the commands?" And he was like, "Yes, execute, execute them, them all." And I was like, "Well, I wasn't." Yeah. That's an odd phrase. Yeah. Um, but no, I just I, as I say, I just I I really liked everything Jake Gyllenhaal did did with the. I I saw somebody else quoted this and pulled this out uh, on Twitter. Um, the line from the Evening Standard review. Saying that, oh, if I if I would have thought that any uh, talented actor would not denigrate their art by taking the superhero check, it would be Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's like, oh, come on. Jake Gyllenhaal, who literally did take the superhero check to sign on to be Spider-Man before he wasn't needed, 
and then played Prince of Persia. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal is a great actor who is clearly dedicated to his art, and in this film, he wholeheartedly commits to what he's doing, even Mm. when what he's doing is quite frothy and cheesy. I never get a sense of him feeling detached from this or above it or anything like that. He's completely committed to what he's doing and doing it really well, wearing a silly, well, a really cool but also silly because it's Mysterio, Mysterio costume while doing it. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that he was almost Batman, so I don't know what. Yeah, I know it was just a ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous yeah. comment from someone. I mean, I read it almost thinking, "Have you confused Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix here?" Uh, <laughs> because it, from the way he was talking about him, it sounded more like he was talking about Joaquin Phoenix. Anyway, um, and yeah, I just you know, okay, you guys didn't like it, but I thought the illusion stuff was great. I liked his motivations. I liked the way that, as I say, they pulled in both the Stark Industries element and the he is a film special effects guy. That's what you know. That's what you want from Mysterio element. Um, yeah. yeah, I've just I've I, you know I've got absolutely no complaints about how this Mysterio movie portrayed the lead character. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I I don't. I don't think Mysterio is bad. I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is bad. I don't think the the, the concepts of, of the character is bad. I think I think it's it's probably and again I'm aware of this not being a great criticism. I wanted something slightly different, and what I probably wanted was that stuff in the first half of the movie to be over in half the amount of time to let him be full blown Mysterio Mysterio for longer. And what I probably wanted was the second half of the movie to be closer to the scene in the bar than than what we got. Because I kind of felt like, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal, let him go nuts with this. And he kind of has to be a bit stern and a bit like, oh, I'm going to have to kill people, but I don't want to. I just thought, you've got Gyllenhaal, rewrite your script and just let him go. I'll tell you what I wanted. I wanted him to go full Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Because this is a guy that for the first half of the movie is imitating Tony Stark and for the second half of the movie is taking Stark and trying to do it better but not quite, you know, not quite being good enough to do it, ultimately, I guess. So I, I don't, what I, I, you know, not not particularly a Justin Hammer ripoff, but Gyllenhaal allowed to go as big as Sam Rockwell does in Iron Man 2. Um I think that's what I wanted from the character because I know what Jake Gyllenhaal can... You, you see it in that one scene. And I think if, if that was the tone of that character for the rest of the movie, that would have been amazing. But instead, he's he's um, conducting drones. <laughs> I've got to say, like this was a really comics-accurate villain, and I like it when they go comics-accurate. It doesn't, it doesn't happen as often as you'd expect. Mm. Um, and they do the, they do the fishbowl, they do the costume... Yeah. Like I love, I love that stuff. I'm re- because I mean, <laughs> I'm like, really and that's that's it. not, that's not that's not a given as well. I mean, I, I think the vulture design is fun in the last movie, but that's not comics vulture, really, is it? That's a, that's an MCU version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And here they veered a bit more back in that direction. Can, can, can we can we go back to my my question, which I I raised flippantly in the middle of the podcast. Do you think J.K. J. Simmons, as J. as J. Jonah Jameson says, multiverse? Because I think it might. I, I, without going too way? long on it, I want to know it, how like... you think it does because yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> because because the same actor is playing the same character in what is definitely a different universe. Uh, 
Sony owns the rights to all of that. Sony are doing stuff with the multiverse. They put a scene from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse at the end of their Venom movie. And from what Kevin Feige was saying very recently, Sony does at some point plan to do crossovers between these movies. And I and I I think that that J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson is a multiverse version of the Raimi one. This, and that the Raimi, I mean, and that the Raimi right. it no more suggests a multiverse than than recasting Terence Howard does. I mean, yeah, it's he's I don't, he <laughs> is he is a multiverse version only in the sense of in the wider sense, the MCU is a different universe from the Raimi films. So in that yeah. sense, yes, he's an alternate universe version of J. Jonah Jameson, just as it doesn't Tom Holland. suggest a multiverse crossover. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think it confirms it. I, but I think, I think that's the direction. So there was going. never anything Personally. that ruled out them suddenly going like, "Hey, here's Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland on screen together." There's n- like, there's no reason that couldn't happen. Right. Still, I don't think this telegraphs it. Joe, yeah, because the thing is, right? Joe, what about it happening to be J- like? What about it being J.K. Simmons makes it any more likely that you might bring in a different universe? version of Jonah into the same continuity because if you did that let's say that these films do actually establish that the Raimi-verse and the MCU are part of the same multiverse because of the fact that they've got J. Jonah Jameson's <laughs> I mean, who look they and sound inherently... similar. They might have J. Jonah Jameson's who look and sound similar. They don't have Peter Parker's that look and sound similar. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, you because, said, they're, because they're the way already... that multiverses work, some things are similar, yeah, but some you could things say that are different. Yeah, they're anything. already inherently multiverses. <laughs> like they are because they're all Spider-Man I know, universes. Yeah. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't confirm anything. I just think it's a it's a little. Nod I really in that don't. Direction. I just think it's them going. No, we want and I. They just went, who, we there's no one him. better. Yeah, there's no one better than J.K. Simmons, so let's just recast J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I think that's a direction they will go in, though. That's Maybe, what I'm because, that's because Spider-Verse that's was so, so successful. I think that's something that Sony are going to do. And I think that J.K. Simmons will be a part yeah, of Yeah, but that. only in the sense of he's in one of them. <laughs> I, no, no, there is, there is absolutely, and I will stake my reputation on this, there is absolutely <laughs> no chance that you will ever see any character from the Raimi series of Spider-Man films in a multiverse oh. scenario with the MCU. I will... No, I will okay, I disagree oh, with that, because well, right, I do think... Oh. I think if they, can, if they can swing it, they would do an MCU yeah. oh, Spider-Verse. See what you did there. <laughs> they would do an MCU Spider-Verse and get Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire back and stick Miles Morales and Tom Holland in there oh. and oh be God. like, hey, here's a live-action Spider-Verse movie because you love that animated version, so let's do that. No, like, the animated version can... is part of the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, and they could have the cartoon version. You know, they can have spider oh <laughs> this that This very concept is, like erotic to me like i can see <laughs> i can see that potentially happening if they could bother to work out the contracts sure i don't think having jk simmons as jameson in any way suggests that that's what they want to do they might want to do it they might have a whiteboard with yeah. it written on somewhere this is not this the particular thing this is, is not the yeah. thing that yeah this is just who could be better than jk simmons to play jameson no one Let's just have him back because everyone will fucking go nuts, and they did. And if it's both, but of also those on things. on that note, I mean, I I I think it is this this is an interesting watershed moment for 
this genre because we've talked about this before when we've had reboots and resets of things and how you know you lose versions of characters just because their version happens to not be made anymore this ha- as as far as i can see th- or, or remember this has not happened in superhero and comic book movies i'm not counting uh, Michael Goff and Pat Hingle crossing over in the Burton Schumacher Batman films because as far as I'm concerned those films are the same continuity they've just got different yeah, actors yeah, yeah. playing Batman um, uh, outside of the genre you've got Judy Dench in the Judy Pierce Dench Brosnan and Daniel up. Craig yeah. Bonds mm. but in that's the precedent yeah, if anything but there isn't precedent in these kind of films but doing that all of a sudden makes you go well okay um, we can have Ryan Reynolds tell Jordan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if we want. I mean, not the we'll example. Bring Chris Evans back in the Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh my God! Imagine. <laughs> but the point, the, yeah, the point. You know, all all of these ones where we've gone. Oh well, we like that version of that character, but their thing has come to an end, so we can't have them anymore. Um, Emma Stone as I mean, Gwen this... Stacy. Um, you know, yeah. the thing is, this is the this is like the thing that I've been saying about the MCU is that it now appreciates that the audience for these movies are people who are genre savvy yeah and clued up like they can do whatever they want if they want to bring back toby Maguire as spider-man they can and they don't need to set it up in any big way i think that's kind of kevin feige's genius i think he's always given the audience that amount of credit and i and i would probably yeah and that's that's why i would i would i would trace it back to the post-credit scene at the end of iron man with nick fury he knew there was a section of the audience that was going to go nuts for that i would trace it back to the the opening scene of the incredible hulk which goes i know you guys don't care about this shit because you saw it three or four years ago so here it is in the pre-credits which kind of says it's kind of the same origin that you saw on the screen in the other versions let's just crack on from here. I mean, the thing about Incredible Hulk specifically is that for a time, there were people going like, is Incredible Hulk a sequel to Hulk? And they were going like, maybe, yeah, sort of. But also, Ang Lee's Hulk is categorically not MCU. No, it's not, but in the way that Feige needed it to be. Yeah. And and, and that goes all the way through to him going, yeah, we're not doing the Spider-Man origin. Mm -hmm. We don't need to have Uncle Ben because we can do it in a different you do it in a different guise and i think you're completely right and feige is so savvy to the way that we as a culture consume these superheroes the way that we have consumed them over the course of the past for some of us two or three decades for other people 50 60 70 years of of comics right Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, you're completely right said this probably is a water a watershed moment they can do I wouldn't be surprised to see this happen numerous times again, where characters are recycled because because they figure out it's a great idea. And you know what? Maybe maybe the MCU's Wolverine isn't Hugh Jackman, but maybe ten years from now Hugh Jackman's turning up in a movie because they they they're, they're smart and savvy to it. <laughs> and they've done it before, haven't they? Like they 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 know what they're doing by casting. Michael Keaton as a comic book movie villain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is just getting me excited for the idea of... Um, it would help if I could remember his name. It's been a long record. <laughs> Who are you reaching Mag- for? What Magneto. Movie? Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Michael Fassbender. <laughs> it's getting me excited for the idea Bill of Milner. Ian McKellen turning up and fighting the Avengers. 
Yeah, I mean, you could, uh, yeah. That's all I want. All I want out of the MCU's next phase is for Magneto to fight the Avengers. I mean, Ian McKellen is 80, so... (laughs) They better crack on with it then. I've got the script, I'll give it to him. As we talked about on the Dark Phoenix podcast, all it would have taken was for one of those elementals to bo- to bosh into the side yeah. of his bookshop, burn down his book. <laughs> and he'd be. Fu- <laughs> I'm still I'm still sore. They didn't just dye his hair white. It's like they couldn't even be fucked. They just went. Oh, we could dye his hair white, but he doesn't want to, and we can't be asked. So whatever. I'm angry. Right, angry okay, about so- that film. <laughs> well, we've ended our Spider-Man Far From Home discussion. Uh, by by talking about Ian McKellen's white hair. Um, Michael Fassbender's but, not white hair. Michael Fassbender's not white hair. But that was Spider-Man Far From Home. Some mixed opinions. Who do you agree with? Who do you disagree with? Let us know on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Let Joe know on God. Twitter. Because I know our audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Okay, so um, our final section is the pitch. Um, and I have... Um, you know, I feel like we've just talked our way around it. Let's let's just do it. Which former actor who has played a role in a superhero movie would you like to see reintroduced in that same role in the MCU? And we should probably veto the ones we've mentioned, right? <laughs> well, and J.K. Simmons, which has happened. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Seb, will come to you because James has stolen your answer the last couple of times. <laughs> I'd, r- I'd rather James went first so I have time to think about it. <laughs> Coward. So, no. Coward. Can't win. <laughs> James, have you got one? Uh, I think James Marsden has yet to show us the potential oh. of his Cyclops. Do you know what? That's good. That is good. I mean, it doesn't really require much explanation. I would say James Marsden, in any role, deserves <laughs> the chance to actually play that role. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, right? There'd be a... <sighs> You can't think of... Like, the thing about Cyclops, right, is that he's quite a boring character inherently anyway. And there are ways to do good versions of Cyclops, but if someone says, like, who's the definitive screen Cyclops? You can't come up with a better example than James Marsden, because James Marsden has that similar, like, just nothing equality. <laughs> he just... He looks Aww. fine in the visor, and you'd get a thrill from seeing him say, hey, stay away from my girl. I feel like you ruined it at the end by doubling back and making fun of James <laughs> I just, Marsden. I can't pretend that I like James Marsden. <laughs> Seb, you've got an opportunity. Well, we haven't had Dr. Octopus yet, have we? Oh. So I think probably Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus in the Spider-Man movies, please. I mean, he did... Oh, I thought you were going to say Catherine Hahn. He did die. I was going to say, surely you want Octavia, right? I'll tell you what I was almost going to go for, which was uh, to have James Franco... Um, and have Harry Osborn in a because he's so much older than Peter. Harry Osborn in a Norman Osborn role, played by James Franco. But I think the law of Alfred Molina playing Doctor Octopus again is too great. Yeah, I mean that that is pretty outstanding. And, and you know you've stuck on Spider Man. You're on theme. Um, do you know what? I'd probably take Topher Grace aside. I'd probably take any of the villains from the Raimi Spider Mans and. And give them a crack in this universe, like all it like. Willem Dafoe has not got any less creepy looking with age. My, my only problem <laughs> no. with bringing back Doctor Octopus is that he's already in the best Spider-Man film. Are you going to be able to do a better version of that in the MCU? No, you just do the nah. You just do more of it. Yeah. You, are you gonna Are you gonna do better with J.K. Simmons in these movies? Probably not. Are we gonna get to see more of it? Yes. Yeah. Fair. 
uh, yeah, so I, I have to give the win to Seb there for uh, for Doctor Octopus. Um, I've actually just realised an even better answer that would have got you on side if I hadn't. Tell us that, that as well because I like this topic. Yes, Leah Thompson. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh do, no! Do you know what? It would it would be great to get like in in some like weird Back to the Future riff as well. Get Leah Thompson's daughter Zoe Deutsch back in the MCU playing that character. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, no, you're right, Seb. You would have won twice. Uh, <laughs> That is it for this week's show. Um, we'll be back next week with a mini-sode, which we will actually do because there is news to cover. Yep, hope you like uh, Sandman. So there'll, <laughs> there'll be a mini-sode next before we before we get to our next main episode. If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe, where you can hear us ad-free. Uh, and thank you to our regular Patreon backer, Brendan Roberts. Our only regular Patreon backer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse. Tell me how much you agree with me. Or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. I liked that at the end of the movie, that scene on the plane. Sorry, my cat is meowing very loudly in the background. So that might be an edit point. <laughs> Shut up. I did like that at the end of the movie, that scene on the plane. Fucking, I'm sorry, guys. That, is, that, would, that, that would definitely end up on the I podcast. could hear it. Yeah. Right. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's fine. It's just a cat. It's just a cat. It's just, yeah. it's just spider cat.